Welcome to Savvy Savvy's podcast on call-in. This is episode 127, GOP debate, Claudia interview, Ukraine, and more. A lot went down this week. Let's discuss. So without further ado, let's go ahead and bring in Karthik. All right, Karthik, you are on the mic. What's going on in your land? Hey, Savvy, what's up? Good evening. How are you doing tonight? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. I saw the uh, d- uh, debate on with with, with uh, uh, Nick and CJ on on the main RBN channel. So obviously last night was great. Um, but speaking about the debate, I thought it was like a pretty like mild debate. Like I didn't think it was like that special. Um, I I don't know how you felt, but I I didn't feel like there were any uh uh oh, winners last night. No, I felt like there was a lot of interrupting, right? And I felt like the moderators weren't really doing their job. Like when the candidates are talking over each other like that, as a moderator, it's your job to jump in and break that shit up. Like, don't just sit there and let them talk over each other. I thought that was ridiculous. Um, But one thing that remained apparent to me uh, listening to that debate is the fact that these people are just... You know, Trump doesn't even have to be there. And they're just helping Trump win. Like all their talking points are weak. Even like focusing on the fact that Trump isn't there. Again, like I told you guys, I think that actually helps Donald Trump. I don't think that helps them. And so for me, I just, I kind of feel like they're not helping themselves. So at this point, it's basically a race for vice president, not a race for president with the people that are actually at the debate, the candidates that are uh, challenging Donald Trump. And um, I really don't like it when I'm watching a debate or any discussion and people are just constantly talking over each other because I can't hear what's said. Like, I really want people to finish their statement and then have other people talk. Debates used to be like that. When I grew up like watching like these presidential debates, like with my parents, I remember that people actually took their turns. Like they had a turn to speak and they spoke during that time. And then the next person would speak. But now it's just people talking over each other. It just seems like a a, a cat fight. And it's it's kind of like ridiculous. Yeah, um, I, I was kind of because this was the the uh, our Reagan debate. I was kind of surprised that they didn't like mention him more. I think I only heard his name like maybe six or seven times and usually like at the last two Reagan debates in 08 and 16 they just like like hide behind Reagan nonstop because he's their like capitalist Jesus yeah because they were too busy too busy focusing on uh Donald Trump did you guys also notice so you know that debate it took place in Simi Valley do you know what's important about Simi that's Valley? that's where uh Reagan's from I, I know that I think that's where his like tomb and where he grew up and stuff not only that, you know who lived in who else lived in Simi Valley? Some other rich person. The LAPD police officers that beat Rodney King. Oh, I didn't know that. It's... That came up again during the OJ Simpson trial. That came up again because one of the detectives that was on the stand, they were like, Where do you live? And he said, Simi Valley, and Johnny Cochran used that to his advantage in reference to defending O.J. Simpson because he said, oh, Simi Valley. And he told, looked at the jury and said, the same Simi Valley where the LAPD police officers lived 
that beat up Rodney King. So Simi Valley is known for having a large uh, police presence, not in reference to uh, them trying to police the area, but they live there. Well, I'm surprised they didn't like hide behind the cops last night because that's pretty common for Republicans as well. Mm-hmm. Well, like, again, I just felt like the real issues are not being discussed. Like the things that people really need, the American people need right now, those things, just it's just not being discussed. And it's more about personality. I felt like they're arguing over who's the better this and who's the better that instead of the real issues. So I just, it's it's just a mess, honestly. Yeah, I felt like it was a very much like a... Uh, uh kitty table debate where it's like it doesn't even matter what happens here because like the real like folks are, or the real debate is wherever trump is and kind of like how, how the uh, uh democrats don't have like a serious like a real primary this year i i kind of feel like the same for the gop primary too because they're pretty much all either like, like running for a um me- media job at fox like at or oan newsmax or like uh uh book deals or speaking deals or to just be like trump's cabinet or vp that's just what they're all seem like they're running for it, not to actually win. Basically, I don't think any of them are going to catch up to Donald Trump with the lead that he has. And, you know, at one point they thought that Ron DeSantis would be the one pretty much leading the ticket. But as we can see, that is not the case. Even if Trump wasn't in the race, I'm not sure that DeSantis would lead the ticket because, you know, his polling numbers have dropped as well. Yeah, um, I thought, yeah, I, I thought DeSantis was just like, I, I thought DeSantis did better than last time where he definitely seemed like a loser. But I, I thought also uh, Ramaswamy just seemed like pretty mild, uh, whereas last time I, I thought he was a winner. That's funny because I, I thought he was the winner last time too. But of course, like mainstream media said that Ron DeSantis run that, won that debate. I didn't agree with that. <laughs> I didn't agree with that at all, but I, I I do. I felt like he did better in the first debate than he did in this one. And this one, I felt like he seemed more flustered um, because he couldn't get some of his full statements across because of the interruptions and stuff like that, which, by the way, that's that's a trick. Like when they interrupt you like that, it's to distract you so that you can't finish what you're saying and then to kind of throw you off guard, stuff like that. Uh, you're that talking about how, how uh, uh, Vivek was interrupted? Yeah. No, well, yeah, I'm guessing. Um, maybe maybe notice too, but like, but but the moderators like on other issues got mad when like people were interrupted. But when Vivek got talked about the Ukraine about how you know we should be over, uh, end it and stuff, and like, but uh, Mike Pence and uh, and uh, Nikki Haley got really mad at him, interrupted, and and they had no problem with them interrupting over Ukraine. No, you're right. I mean, there's there wasn't consistency. Like, I felt like like people I remember made fun of the Democrat primary debates in 2020. Like people were just like, this is ridiculous or this is cartoonish. But I do feel like there wasn't as much interruption. Yeah, like from what I because I've been watching these debates, I, I maybe for like the last two terms or like, yeah. Uh, and, and the Democrats definitely seemed more polite than the Republicans. I remember there's a lot more interrupting traditionally over GOP debates. Yeah, it's just it's it's really interesting. I don't think any of these people sold like I I don't think they they're going to increase in the polls after that debate. I mean, I'm going to check the polls to see how it goes, but I don't think they really helped themselves uh, last night. It almost came across to me as kind of childish. Um, I saw a quote from someone earlier today on Twitter. They were saying that, like, it was embarrassing. 
Uh, I, I, I don't even think it was embarrassing because it just seemed like so mild and like so tame. It didn't even seem that interesting, actually. Yeah, it was it was really tough to watch. <laughs> okay, Tabby, last thing I want to say before I go. Did you see the uh, Breaking Points interview with the, that uh, uh, Jane Cat with Crystal and Sager? Yeah, I'm going to discuss that on Sunday because I'm not live tomorrow. But oh, okay. yeah, I already saw it. You, you, um, you said you, you, you did see it? I did. It was sent to me, and I was like, what the okay. hell? Well, then I'm sure you know what I'm going to ask you. What, what, what did you think of the end? I think this is a grift for Jink. This is just a fucking grift, man. He just wrote a book. He just published a book. Yeah, just this coming. You be. Listen, a couple of days ago, he was saying that Marianne Williamson is the best candidate running in the Democratic primary. Well, if you feel that way, then why are you running for president? If you believe that, if you believe she's the best candidate running in the Democratic primary, why are you running for president? He goes in the interview and he goes, well, she's not getting a lot of media attention. So, motherfucker, you ain't going to get that much attention from the mainstream media either. And honestly, and I'll talk about this more on Sunday, but honestly, I feel like this is a conflict of interest because you own a network like... You own TYT, the Young Turks, and now you are going to run for president of the United States. What does that mean in reference to the network? Because obviously the network is going to have to back Jink. If they don't back Jink, that shit's going to look really weird and kind of suspect, right? So like, I mean, why would you, why would you even, that would be like me. Like, for example, I would never run for office. Even if I didn't have the show, I still wouldn't run for office. But as someone who has a show where I talk about politics, I talk about the news, and I interview candidates, et cetera, et cetera, I feel like it's a conflict of interest for me to run for office because obviously I'm going to promote my own platform. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's kind of similar to the 2016 primary because back then um, when Hillary ran, uh, she was friends with the heads of MSNBC and CNN who were Phil Griffin and uh, 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 Jeff Zucker. So it's kind of similar to that, I guess. I guess. I mean, there's there's a whole bunch of issues with this. Like another thing that I was going to mention that I'll, I'll talk about more um, on Sunday as well. Jink was born in Turkey. So I don't understand how he would be able to be president. Now, obviously, oh, well, you can still run, but... I heard him talk about, I think, like in a, in a different interview about his book of, like a few weeks ago. And his argument for why he can run for a presidency and like and, and have it be legal is that so apparently he said the which I think this I'm pretty sure this is true but the Fourteenth Amendment apparently it says like it makes like, like all, all citizens equal so I'm guessing that's the uh, legal argument he would use I don't know yeah I mean that's the same thing Dr Shiva said I'm just like come on man you you guys know that shit is not going to happen is <laughs> it, is he not from America. Jink was born in Turkey. No, no, I, I, I meant uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Shiva. Dr. Shiva was born in India. Okay, I didn't know that. Okay, yeah. But, yeah, maybe, who knows? Uh, maybe it could get overturned because I'm sure the uh, establishment would, would have him around because he'll just talk about Trump nonstop. I think you agree. I, I just see this as a grift, man. Are you? Is he seriously going to get on TYT and ask people to donate to his campaign? Just well, like I'm he not, did when he ran yeah. for Congress? I'm surprised he might run because because he loves Marianne Williamson and they're like friends. So like, why are you running? But whatever. 
was, I'm sure it'll be funny if he I, I think Cenk Uger is exactly the Democrat this country needs. <laughs> uh, it'll be so funny, man. It'll be nonstop. <laughs> Camel. Oh <laughs> uh, good, good, good talk, Savvy. I'm happy you saw the uh, Breaking Points interview today. See you later. Thank you so much, Karthik. Okay. Let's bring in Neoliberal Tears. What's up, Neoliberal Tears? Hey, besties. Um, yeah, amazing show tonight, Savvy, uh, as always. Um, but yeah, I was, I was still, I was also going to bring up the drink thing, you know? I just, I think, like, I think we made running for president, like, attractive to people who just want to get endless media attention and that's a problem because like for jank there's no downsides you know like he gets to promote his book like marianne was like he was like oh i can do that i can sell my book this way and like you said he's not a citizen so i'm just what what is happening guys what is happening like this shit is just unbelievable to me like at first when so someone dm me about it at first Excuse me, when I got the DM, I was like, is this a joke? Like, I thought they were joking around at first. But no, um, they were serious. And I, I just honestly, like, this is a complete waste of, like, this is so stupid. Like, what? Like, and who put this idea into his head? I'm wondering, does Jeffrey Katzenberg have anything to do with this? <laughs> like, like, he kept saying in the interview, like, you know, you don't make me do it don't make me do it <laughs> like you know meanwhile like you said like i don't support her but marianne is running like she's been on your show like what are you talking about <laughs> like you know there are people in the race <laughs> like but he's like don't make me do it you're gonna make me do it like no one's asking you jank like you're <laughs> you're asking yourself <laughs> you just want to do this i swear like yeah and it's almost like an attention whore kind of thing like i feel like you know, it's just like maybe some people are just addicted to attention. So maybe that's that's part of this. Like he just wants the attention and the, the recognition that will come along with this. But I mean, like to me, it just doesn't make any sense. That would have been like imagine if someone said when, when Bernie was running. Right. And he was the progressive in the race. Imagine if another progressive was like, I'm going to run, too. It's like. Why? This, it just is so weird to me. Savvy just, it to me, again, I feel like, dude, are you trying to sell this damn book? Like, look, like when we said Marianne was trying to sell books, some people were upset by that. But look, here's Jink. Literally, he just published a book. Just published one. <laughs> I would not want to be uh, Marianne, Steffer, Marianne Steffer right now. Like, I'm, I'm, I think she has to be so mad. Like, this is like, like, you know, fucking up like her entire, she was really happy to have TYT in her corner, sort of, or at least not, like, not completely denigrate her. Um, and now, he, she, you know, he's basically saying that she's like, he doesn't have faith in her campaign. Like, that's basically what he's saying. Like, otherwise, why would he be running against her? Um, but also, let's also remember when we said that at RBN, we were bad people. Oh, I, can't, I can't stop laughing at this. Oh, oh, my name is Jake. I eat too many steaks and I'm on the tape. Vote for me. <laughs> That's all I keep going through my head. 
Oh my oh. god. Liar! <laughs> like I, I can't. Like every time I, I think of him doing this acting thing, they should um. You know what? They should make like a a law or something that says any money that you raise from running the presidential campaign and you lose, you got to return all that money. Because what you were saying, neoliberal tears, I saw that. Um, in the 2012 uh, RNC debate, where I was just like, oh man, these guys just running to sell a book to get their little grift on. You know, you had Herman Cain, who was like right after he was trying to sell a book. And like, nah, it's just to promote their profile so they could, you know, parlay that into, you know, some other venture later. You know what I mean? So maybe if, you know, like it'd be good if we had a law that says, nah, all that money. You gotta give that shit back. No keeping, keep because they, because you know, like after they raise that money, they get to keep it, whether they win or not. Also, if you win, is connected you also to Rebellion Pack, which is involved yep. in promoting Democratic campaigns. You know, so he wasn't even saying like you know, you know, I'm gonna run as an independent because uh, you know, jank bullshit. I'm gonna bring the country together. No, no, no. He's running as a Democrat. You know, like this entire bullshit about like we're wa we're watching it right now. They're not having debates. Like, what what universe are you like? It's almost like he had this like dream inside of running for president, and he thinks the world is going to end, and he has to do it now. Because I don't know why you would run, why, why you would even float it out there in twenty twenty four. I mean, no. And 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 let me ask another question that we need to think about: Why? <sighs> Knowing that they're not having debates. <laughs> and he's like, Marianne's not getting the media attention, but he thinks they're going to give him the media attention. Like, I'm so confused. Remember, Jink yeah. came from and he said, MSNBC. Yeah. Does he really think MSNBC is going to say, hey, Jink, come on? <laughs> yeah. Like, and also, and, and he was so incoherent. He said, like, like, for, yeah, like, you know, as if he's going to get media attention. But also he said, you know what? I would vote for Gavin Newsom. I would. I would vote for Gavin Newsom. You know, so he is like a vote blue no matter who. He already said he would vote for Biden. Like over anybody guys. else. So what is he doing running for? What? Who are you? At this An opportunist. I think kind of one thing that's happened is that, like the new, you know, there's always like the, the fake left position. Where it's like where the the fake lefties land, and I think right now that the fake left position is, is you know, oh Biden is is too old and he can't he can't beat Trump, so like we have to replace Biden, and that's supposed to be like the big left you know edgy you know position, but of course it's really just a a status quo position because then you just get Kamala or someone else to to replace him, but that's that's what we're sold as the big lefty position now. Well, I'm going on Rising tomorrow to discuss this topic. So it should be interesting. Well, Hank? Yep. Oh, how are you going to not bust out laughing? And you're going to be there with um, Amber. She's the, one with, um, she's the one who said, uh, who called Kyle uh, Frosted Tips. 
<laughs> That's going to be amazing. Oh my God. I mean, yeah, I think you're right, Sabi. He's an opportunist. But like, I also think like, I think the part where like Jenk was kind of right is when he said like, uh, Democrats are going to lose. Like every poll he's looking at tells him that Democrats are going to lose uh, based on Biden's performance right now. And I honestly think that's where sort of Crystal even like got herself to that point. Like, I think, I think she reads the polls and came to that same conclusion. The new fake left, you know, position. No, I think they read money. That, that's, that's what I think they read. I think they follow them where the money's at because the, the reality is for those shows that started during the Bernie campaigns, they're not doing as well as they were during those campaigns. Once the Bernie campaign, the 2020 campaign died, you started to see a decrease in the audience for those shows, right? Like, so they started to drop off a little bit. In fact, what put Secular Talk over the 1 million was when they propped up Marianne and he kept bringing Marianne on and saying, we got a progressive person. And then at the same time, he was also saying that Joe Biden was doing a good job. So he was doing two things at once. He was trying to get some of that liberal audience that like a David Pakman would have or Roland Martin would have, and also still trying to get progressives to stay there as one. That's how he was able to get over that 1 million. So the thing is, I I think these people just follow money. You know, once you start living that kind of lifestyle, I'm I'm telling you, once you start living that kind of lifestyle, these people are millionaires. You get comfortable, you get used to that, and you're not trying to let that go for anybody. Yeah, no, I think that's definitely uh, the biggest part of it, like, for sure. Like, that's why they build these net, like these packs of their own, like Crystal and Jenk, because they want some action on the, on, the, on the finances. But, like, but I also think that they believe, like, they, in their minds somewhere, they know that Biden will lose. I mean, look at him. Look at him. Like, can you actually look at Biden and think, you know what? Because he went for 15 minutes and like to Michigan, I think the unions are going to like come in like masses. Like, does anybody really think that? Does anyone like, no, it makes no sense. Like, but, like Trump, whatever, all of his faults, he's at least like, co- like his brain isn't melting, you know? I, I had to go on mute. I, I, I just couldn't stop laughing. But remember when he was on on um with Brianna Joy and he was just like ah where you CIA they're CIA Brianna you show CIA and she was trying not to laugh remember Brianna's look when she was trying not to bust out laughing that was him coming on himself because uh, he got paid twenty million dollars by Katzenberg apparently it's paid off which it's a bunch of bullshit bullsh- you're CIA sir I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't stop. This shit is so funny. Uh, Jimmy's saying everybody CIA. You're CIA. You're CIA, Robbie. CIA. CIA around me. Wah! I'm taking you to vote for me. Well, the funny part about it is that his book is finally out. His book is finally out. It's called Justice is Coming. I'm like, that should be his slogan for his 2024 run. Stop giving him ideas, Ashura. He's never going to be watching your your, your calling. He's never going to be uh, uh, listening to your calling show. So 2024, justice is coming. And by the way, how is he going to run for president if he's not, he wasn't born in the States? That's some bullshit, right? That's the bullshit right there. But the thing is, is like, notice they didn't push back on that? Because they know it's bullshit. 
They know he's not a national. The clicks. It's about the press. It's not about like, oh, let's get into the technicalities. No, they get, he gets to announce it. You could see they were salivating the, by the fact that he was like announcing it there. Like, you know, like, oh, do you have any plans? Like, what are the next steps? Like, they love that fucking shit of like running in the Democratic Party. Like, everybody benefits. Do you guys understand? And even though I don't support Marianne's campaign, do you guys understand that Marianne Williamson is more well-known across this country than Gene Uker is? And he thinks that mainstream media is going to give him more attention? Well, there, there, there's the fact that uh, Karthik said in the chat he's going to use the 14th Amendment. I mean, that reminds me of the, the discussion you had with, the, what's his name? The guy that... Uh... Dr. Shiva. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's at the 14th Amendment, like, how is that going to happen? We both know the U.S. is not going to basically let some guy who came out out of the country to be president. That's the yeah. reason why the, the reason why they did it. It's because they know they've been fucking other countries. So you can't have somebody from another country become president because he will shut that shit down. That's right. But I think what what we're really witnessing is a type of hysteria and panic. I think you know the people on the partisan left are, you know, near a panic because they realize that the Democratic Party is really a little bit more fascist and authoritarian than they even imagined. And I think, you know, them witnessing that, you know, the polls and everything, even of Democrats is showing that the rank and file is not happy with Biden. And these are the people who have been in the democratic orbit. So it's kind of like moths attracted to a flame and then they see the flame start flickering. And so they begin to flutter amongst themselves like, oh, oh my God, what are we going to do? There is no ideological center on the left. And people are starting to realize that you know, when Bernie Sanders came out with the Medicare for all and this and that, he tapped into the the sentiment that was on the left. And he, like Trump did on the right, he tapped into their authentic concerns and he offered them something. And the Democrats, of course, you know, puppeted him and held him around to be controlled opposition and a sheepdog and a shepherd to get people into the big tent. So it all kind of worked in that manufactured thing. But now the Democratic Party has shut down so completely that they won't even entertain the next thing. And so I think these people are really just have really come to the place where they've lost their way and they realize it. And so it's a type of panic mode, but you know, when you really think about it, this is, you know, the capitalistic urges of this country collapsing on both sides, forcing you into this binary choice of two of the people that everybody, the majority of the nation is saying, we don't want those two. But this is the consolidation that's happening as this country begins to collapse. And they're saying, no, you're going to, you know, vote between these two. And that is the kind of, you know, 
epitome of these, the duopoly starting to function in plain sight as a uniparty. You know, we're going to give you your options and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And at least, and you know, on the right side, in terms of the Republican debate, these people waited too long to say the emperor is naked. And so now Donald Trump is, is tied in so tightly to the psyche and the angst and concerns of the poor and working class people on the right that they're not hearing anybody else, any of the logic these other candidates are trying to make about Donald Trump. They've waited too long. And that rapport between the working class, poor people and, and others on the right who cling into Donald Trump is too solidified now. And they're looking for a fight. They're looking for, you know, Trump to come back and this and that. And, and they would love nothing more than to see him against all the odds come back and beat Biden, who is, you know, wounded, so to speak, from his own lack of performance. But that would solidify in their psyche that Trump is the strong man that they've been looking for. Even when he's down, he can come back the epic hero and save the day for them. So we're really headed down the drain and neither side is willing to say, okay, this is what the people want and we have to deliver it. They're too caught up in, you know, promoting the wars and using the war machine as a scout for resources around the planet. And they just can't pull out of it. No one can really hear what the spirit is saying to the church, so to speak, and make the adjustments. So as we wind down the drain, these two parties in terms of how they function will look more alike, function more alike. And, you know, it's just really sad. And the people in those orbits are panicking. Well, is it really a panic, Noel, since the Democrats, they don't want to basically run on anything. They want to give you any tangibles whatsoever. So they could just give you a theater that, oh my God, Trump is coming in. And they're like, oh, this is, here comes the fundraiser. And the mainstream media, they need Donald Trump. They can't survive. Their ratings are down. But it's I say it's a panic amongst the acolytes who floated in the Democrat orbit, who, who gained benefit. And as Sabby says, you know, their shows and stuff were based out of all of this stuff that came out of the Bernie Sanders thing when he lit the flame. Now the flame is being shut down from the inside. You know, the Democrats won't even entertain a debate. So that's causing, you know, a, a flux of things that are going on in the orbit. Because yeah. they're, wait a minute, even the majority of Democrats don't want to see Joe Biden and they can see this thing headed for a loss, but the Democrats proper and the DNC, they just don't care. They're willing to risk it all on making people so afraid and fear-mongering against the return of Trump that at the end of the day, people will be so afraid of him coming back and they will vote for Biden again. It's, it's the same, but the opposite side of what's going on on the Republican side where his contingent is saying, I don't care how many indictments he has and this and that, he's going to win and we'll risk it all. We don't care what these other people are saying in the debate. We're willing to risk it all for our guy 
And on the Democrat side, the Democrat machine is saying, well, we'll risk it all, that we can frighten those people to death at the return of Trump, and they'll come back and vote for us out of fear. So everybody's clinging to their guns in terms of what worked last cycle. And so, you know, this is where we find ourselves. But the reality is neither side is really hearing the masses of what the American working class and masses are saying. We don't want these two. We want different options, this and that. But, you know, they're they're determined to just go with what they've they've already got in plan. Yeah, that's a good point. Let's go back to um, neoliberal. Uh, anything else? neoliberal tears uh no just uh thank you everybody for your uh your wisdom your wisdoms um and noel yeah um totally agree um yeah i guess uh, the really last thing is just um I'm, I'm glad to see like more independent candidates like claudia jumping in the race like you know i think the more the better like we really need as many as possible because like i agree uh, i because- agree before you leave neoliberal tears on the Claudia person, do you think they'll blame her too? Now she just got into the race. Cornel West was gonna, the Greens were basically the the one they're gonna blame, but now they're probably gonna blame all third parties that decide to jump in. They're gonna say it's gonna get harder. Like that, if the longer the list is, the more the harder it is to pinpoint a spoiler. That's part of why, even though I don't support RFK, uh, I think he should run as independent. Like he'll pull Republicans, he'll pull independents, and it's going to be harder for Democrats to figure out, like to say like, oh, it's the left's fault. It's Jill Stein. Like no, the more people we have running, the more cover we have. It's like, you know, like if we, you, you, you know what I mean? Yeah, I still think they're going to blame any third party that comes in. As for RFK, uh, I hear he's, he might go libertarian, but that's a long shot. I don't know. I think, well. yeah. It, I mean, it, he's a Democrat. You know. It was discussed, but um, I don't think I, I, I don't think he'll actually do. I mean, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But I think a, a big thing that you pointed out is that having more people, that was something that Peter Dow was trying to get Marianne and RFK Jr. to do. Because he was saying, like, the more people that we have run third party, that's how you're going to disrupt. Listen, he was a part of it, so he knows how it works. So the thing is, when he's like, listen, this is how you're going to disrupt it. Having more people like that, you know, could be a game changer, I think. And we ain't got to, we don't mean you got to, obviously you can only vote for one person, but doesn't mean you have to agree with them on everything. But the fact that these people are in the race, that's something I'd say that's like, wait a minute now, you know, what, what are we trying to do? Are we trying to disrupt the duopoly? Because and you're right. Look at how everybody blamed. They still blame Jill Stein, right? Are they going to blame all these other people too? If there's like five people running independent or five people running independent in third party, like, you know, they're not, they're not saying things about Claudia right now, but give it time, you know, give it time. I, th- I think they, I th- they came after Dr. West because he's more well-known. I, th- I think it's a panic because they see black people leaving. Well, the black men first, and then just starting to see black women. That's what the that's the panic that Noel was alluding to. Is that oh shoot, these Negroes are leaving. Oh my God, what are we gonna do? Yep. 
before our replacements are in place. Because, you know, the broad strategy is to at some point be able to put in that Democrat Hispanic vote Mm -hmm. as a replacement for the necessity for the the utter high levels of black vote. But that time isn't here yet because Hispanics or Latinos still split you know, at different rates between Democrat and Republican. But the broad strategy for the Democratic Party is eventually to replace the necessity of the black vote with a Latino vote, but they're not here yet. And, you know, that's why they're so afraid of the impact of Cornel West, because in times like these, he could potentially peel disaffected Democrats into a different direction. And that is on top of the apathy within the Democrat circles proper, where black people are just like the young lady um, that Savvy had on the show in terms of the clip where she was just reining out the DNC chair and was saying, look, we've done this for 60 fucking years and it's gotten us nothing. That sentiment is what they're afraid that a Cornell West run can tap into. And people are having, this is a, a moment where, you know, people are having epiphanies in different ways. And and that was an older woman who was echoing that frustration. Yep. Uh-huh. So people are just waking up and saying, listen, we've been, we've come this far and we still are in the same place at uh-huh. the bottom. And the Democrats are unable and unwilling to speak to the real changes that could do something. And now people are starting to accept you're just not going to do it. You're you're still on the same old things and they're starting to, you know, have different levels of awakenings. But my question is, if there was an ideological center on the left, then it would not be so difficult to get these disparate groups on the left to aggregate under one banner, under one party, the Green Party, Cornel West, who has been you know, has the biggest reputation, but you can't because people really have no ideological center and they're splintered all over the place because like Savvy said earlier, what they're really all about is ways to capitalize, to capitalize on these situations to make money, build programs, build podcasts and this and that. And so they really aren't centered in a real ideology for the working poor and the populace because these are these are people who are closer to elite and upper middle class than anything else and it's starting to show up about a movement you know sounds like you're talking about a movement noel that we need to um to pull these things together you know and and that's to me is the real challenge how do you inspire a mass movement i'm hoping that comes out of the cornell west run that is you know, he keeps saying a moment in a movement. I hope mm. the movement will be the next step. And, you know, the synergy between um, Worker Strike Back and, and um, the Cornell West thing. I hope these factions begin to jail and the, you know, disenchantment on the left can really come together and and really form a movement. I feel like that's the document. Watch how people are copying copying what he's doing too, because like notice he was the first, you know, Donald Trump didn't, like I said tonight, Donald Trump did not go to a union facility. 
that facility that he went to Davies Enterprises, that facility is a non-union auto company. So we'll just go ahead and count him out right now. We're not going to include Donald Trump in this conversation because he wasn't going to a union place. So technically, Dr. West was the first one to announce that he was going to to go be on the picket line with the the UAW mm -hmm. strikers. He was the first yep. one technically, and he was on the line on the on the picket line with them in New York and in Detroit. Not even just in one location. And then notice how everybody else jumped on. Then next thing you know, Biden said he was going to go there. Then Marianne said she was going to go. So pay attention to what's happening. Same thing like this rally this week, this event this week in um, D.C. that, that I'm going to be at. This peace in Ukraine rally. Now, you have Cornell West is going to be speaking, Medea Benjamin... Of course, Medea's everywhere. <laughs> Lee, Lee Camp is going to be a speaker. Claudia, who was on tonight, she's going to be one of the speakers. And Eugene uh, Perrier is also going to be one of the speakers. Where are all the other candidates? So, like, pay attention to these kind of things. Like, this is what the fourth thing I've seen, like, Dr. West do so far. And this is not me saying you have to vote for Dr. West, but I'm just saying pay attention to what is happening on the ground. Because he was at the cop, cop city thing, and then it was the auto workers, and then it was the, the rally in New York, and then it was, and, and now it's going to be the Ukraine um, rally. And I know there's other things that I've heard about that's coming up too. So just, just think but about this. Imagine if Trump shows up to the peace in Ukraine rally because <laughs> Dr. West, like, you're right. Like, Dr. West, like, he's such a force that he invites, like, headlines press like can you imagine if he in that rally he's he like calls out biden like it will be clipped by media organizations like it's gonna be huge like but this this is who this is who he is and I, and I that's who he's always been like he's always been on the front lines like fighting for people you know not just something he's doing because he's running for office but i think back to it and i think back to when marianne spoke at the julian assange event when marianne spoke at the um the Medicare for All uh, march in D.C. I think back on it, I'm like, bruh, she was probably thinking about running back then. And that was her way of kind of getting her name out there. It's like, I think those of us in like the, the community, like in the organizing space, like we know who the people are. We know who the, the real activists are. We know the people who we see on the ground when there's no cameras around. We know who the people are that are on the ground when they're not running for any type of political office. And so those things are very apparent to us. And so my thing is, is like, like Claudia said tonight, you know, she's been organizing for a long time. The people in her community and stuff, they know that. They know her record. They know what she's, you know, capable of doing. So I think th these people are the ones that really stand out because they're the ones doing the work on the ground. And I think that's going to be important if you're talking about, you know, building any type of movement. You got to have some experience with that, I think. Who was this person, um, who was this uh, black teenager in Massachusetts that was uh, drowned or tried to, or, or was attempted to be drowned or something that the lady was talking about in the video, by the way? From what I understand, it happened on the Cape, uh, which doesn't surprise me because Cape? Cape Cod. Oh, okay. We call it the Cape. Um, <laughs> the Cape is very racist. Very racist. 
Nobody and it's not something us. it's not something you notice like you may not notice it if you just go to the cape once like to visit but for those of us who live in massachusetts and you go to the cape every summer you see it like you know and people and for black people that live on the cape they see it too no one didn't tell that teenage boy stay away from there stay i mean if he lives if his parents live there what is he supposed to do <laughs> no, I mean, oh, oh, he lived there. Oh, I, I thought. Oh, um. Yeah, black. There's black people that live on the Cape. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah, I mean, the Cape isn't like the Cape is not. Um, <clears throat> yes, like there are some parts of the Cape that are expensive, but for the most part, the Cape is. You can live there. Like, there's apartments on the Cape too. It's not like it's just all houses. But um, especially in the winter, because most people don't want to be on the Cape in the winter. So it's cheaper if you're going to try to rent something then. But what I'm saying is, is that there are black people that live on the Cape. The Cape is like the cheaper version of what do you call it in um, Long Island? The Hamptons. It's a cheaper version of the Hamptons. Okay. Yeah, it's it's not on that level at all. Like, (laughs) it's not on that level at all. And then same thing with Martha's Vineyard, by the way, also used to be working class. Martha's Vineyard, there's there's a town, there's a a, a neighborhood in uh, Martha's Vineyard called Oak Bluffs. Oak Bluffs was an all black neighborhood in Martha's Vineyard. All black. Uh, One of the girls that was a part of my meetup group She's from Oak Bluffs. Um, Her dad's black. Her mom is white. And even she was talking about like the different experiences that she would have when she stepped outside of Oak Bluffs and went to some of those other towns in Martha's Vineyard. But Oak Bluffs for years, you guys look it up, like black artists and musicians used to go to um, Oak Bluffs. In fact, black New Yorkers, particularly in like the jazz community, used to travel from New York to go to Oak Bluffs, particularly because they knew Oak Bluffs was going to be more accepting and more tolerant. Mm. But yeah, Martha's Vineyard used to be working class. Unfortunately, rich people like Barack Obama and Taylor Swift and all these mofos, they bought houses there and now it's unaffordable to the average person. Wow. Did they start buying after people started moving out or did they like move them out? I guess it's kind of both, right? It's kind of both. I mean, I'm trying to remember the year when when it was announced that Obama was buying a house in Martha's Vineyard. I forget which year that was, but Taylor Swift, like that was not too long ago, like just a couple years ago. But yeah, they made it unaffordable for the people. That's why like, and this is what I was, I was complaining about when the migrants uh, were sent to Martha's Vineyard. What I was upset about was the fact that when they told them we don't have space for them, that was bullshit. Martha's Vineyard for the most part is vacant for most of the year. It's full in the summer. Not mm. that many people live in Martha's Vineyard. Mm. So that that's what pissed me off. And they pushed them out and they said, no, send them to the Cape. So Martha's Vineyard kind of looks at the Cape as like the redheaded stepchild. You are beneath us. 
because we are an actual island and you're attached to the state. The teenager uh, lived, right? The teenager live. Uh, yeah. Said- but that kind of that kind of shit happens all the time. Like that. That's what I'm trying to tell people. Like those are the, the incidents that you hear about. Those are the ones that are reported. Mm. And better keep those homes empty in the winters than have people who need homes uh, able to shelter. You know, it's just, it's it's unbelievable, um, like, the level of sociopathy we've come to. Also, like, it really always strikes me that, like, you know, one of the biggest, like, in, uh, tells if uh, the U.S. comes to, like, you know, do a coup or whatever, um, is, like, you know, in Guatemala, they try to do land redistribution. You know, they were trying to, like, give people, like, land, homes, um, take it away from the United Fruit Company. Like, you know, and that's when they were like, oh, fuck, no, you're not. Like, you know, you're giving your citizens land? The fuck you're talking about? You know, so there's like a, I think housing is really going to come to a head. But I've been on the, I've been on for for way too long. I'm sorry for keeping um, the the beautiful people in the queue. Um, and, uh but yeah, thank you for thank you everybody for and for having us, Abby. Thanks, neoliberal. All right, let's bring in Dwayne. What's up, Dwayne? Let's see if it works this time. Dwayne, I'm I'm probably gonna have to make you a speaker. Can you hear me now? So I'm gonna. Oh, I can hear you. Okay. Excellent. Thank you, Savvy. Oh, great show as usual tonight. Um. What has my uh, me all <laughs> completely unhinged? Actually, I'm gonna try to compose myself and comport myself with some uh, acuity and uh, focus here. Um, the Nazi thing, because Nazis trigger me like nothing else can ever trigger a human being. Um, and the fact is that we look at um, Trudeau, and we look at Trudeau uh, actually. Uh, catering to Nazis, and of course he's just going by our foreign policy. The Western foreign policy right now is to embrace Nazis to kill Russians. Um, this is this has me completely apoplectic because Nazis. You know, I don't know. I'm I don't I don't know if the later generations are as aware of this as I am, but I you know maybe being partially Jewish and having had family members. Uh, murdered in Auschwitz um, on my dad's side. My whole, my father's entire, you know, my my father's father's entire family was murdered in Auschwitz um, by by Nazis. Um, having been to Yad Vashem, which is a, the Holocaust Memorial Museum in in Israel, um, it has me completely. I mean, if if you are going to countenance Nazis, and you know, we we kind of had a warning that this was going to happen because the uh, bipartisan political establishment had embraced ISIS and these people were like head choppers. And that was, that was okay because they were, we were going to use them against Assad. Right. So imperialism apparently means that you can have any bedfellows you want. I mean, I'm old enough to remember the Contras in Nicaragua who were like murdering children and women and stuff like that. And and then El, El Salvador with Reagan, we had like nuns being murdered and, and priests being murdered by, by death squads that we were supporting. So nothing like this really shocks me anymore. But the one thing is that I actually, I, I'm lying. It, it, what really shocked me is that that the, the Biden administration, Democrats, 
are willing to embrace actual Nazis to kill Russians to further the, you know, the interests of the empire uh, and to extend a full spectrum dominance into Eastern Europe, risking World War Three. This is insane. This is completely insane. And, 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 and people are outraged justifiably at Trudeau, but I, the reason why Trudeau is doing what Trudeau is doing, the reason why he did what he did, why they applauded, stood and applauded an actual Nazi, like in his 90s, who engaged in atrocities, is because we have this, it's now, it's now acceptable suddenly to embrace Nazis to kill Russians. This is completely insane. Does any, people don't know. People apparently have forgotten exactly how evil the, the Nazis are. And, and this is the Democrats doing this. And so, um, you know, we're talking about how Jenk is, is such a big, you know, clown and a joke. You know, he, he's pathetic. He's absolutely pathetic. Just like anybody who has like Trump, uh, Trump derangement syndrome or Jimmy Dore derangement syndrome has revealed themselves to be completely pathetic and a joke. I call him a joke Uger. I like to call him junk ogre, but, but joke Uger, I think that that is better because he really is pathetic. And he, for a person like him, to uh, uh, say that, you know, in his own mind, he believes that the Democrats are somehow better than the Republicans. It, it reminds me of the same thing with, like, West. And I think it's a co- completely class-based class, class based, uh, problem here. People who see the Democrats who have embraced the neoconservatives, who brought us to this point where we're embracing Nazis and risking World War III, people who see the Democrats as being some sort of a lesser evil. I mean, the, the, the neocons knew what they were doing when they tried to glom on, and they did this through Hillary, to the Democratic Party. They left the Republicans because the Repu- Republicans were sort of isolationist, sort of populist, sort of nativist, anti-imperialist in that, in, to that extent. They, they, they were like, they're America first, a lot of those people, because it's a class thing. But you have the elites who really have ad- adopted the Democratic Party as their vehicle for political power. And the neoconservatives realized that. And they said, well, we can use this humanitarian interventionist impulse inside the Democratic Party. And we can impose, we can promote imperialism. And so this is what you've had post-George W. Bush. They left the Democratic Party. They came in, their vehicle was Hillary. Hillary brought them in, the neocons. And now they're using the Democratic Party as their instrument to impose empire on the planet. And people still, for some reason, and I do think it is a class-based thing. Now, Jenk has divided loyalties. We're never going to be able to galvanize an actual movement for the left until we, until people like Jenk are not in the part, not, not on our side. We have to acknowledge that he is the enemy. He's not on our side. He, he wants, he, he's putting his own financial interests ahead of any movement to actually change anything about the Democratic Party. And, 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 and you know what? I, I, God love him. I love Cornell West. But for him to characterize a guy who is risking World War III, and arming Nazis to murder Russians as milk toast, and Trump is somehow worse than that. When Trump, who I actual I absolutely despise, having grown up with that racist thug in New York City, 
and seen everything he's done. Corrupt racist thug. At least that corrupt racist thug wants diplomacy with Russia and doesn't want to risk World War III arming Nazis to kill Russians on their border. And for, for anybody to be confused about their priorities in this case and to characterize, you know, uh, Biden as somehow eh, not quite as bad as the Republicans. The Republicans are evil fascist scum. Let's make that clear. I hate them all. They're terrible. Every one of them. That freak show that we saw in that debate, that's unbelievable. I always I was characterizing in your chat today, Savvy. The, uh, the, the, the debate, the, the Republican debate as the freak show, the sideshow freaks. We've got the Republicans who are the clown car. I mean, the Democrats who are the clown car. And we've got the sideshow freaks in the Democratic Party. They're, you know, objectively speaking, complete lunatics. I, I have no doubt that those people, if they were in power, would be doing exactly what the CIA and the State Department, the military industrial complex wants, because they've always done that, like I said, since Reagan. So they'd be arming the same Nazis, even though you have a guy like Trump. But the reason why Trump is an outsider in the, in the Republican Party is because he has made too many populist noises. They're not really sure about that guy. He might actually want to close the border and stop the influx of, of, of uh, slave laborers coming in. He might, in, uh, in, in the effort to stop the influx of, of slave labor, he might actually want to stop destabilizing Central and South American countries uh, and overthrowing all their governments because he's, an, he's like an isolationist guy. He's more populist. He's, an, he's a moron and a fascist and an asshole, but he's on the outs on both sides of the political spectrum in this country who are both imperialists. But what I'm saying is that the imperialist in the, in the White House is the real threat. And if people can't recognize that and they look at a guy like Joe Biden and think, well, he's milk toast. He's not milk toast. He's the he's the greater evil, not the lesser evil, because people think he's more legitimate somehow than these lunatics like Nikki Haley. But there's no real difference between Nikki Haley and Joe Biden. There's no real difference. And, and if you have any question about that, look where the neoconservatives are who who Hillary brought into the party. These people are a bunch of goddamn fascist lunatics. They're going to get us, if they have their way, people like John Bolton, people like uh, 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 William Crystal, the darling of MSNBC, uh, like Wolfowitz, these people, these people are insane. They would get us involved in a, a nuclear war. So how the hell are you going to characterize a person like Joe Biden as milk toast? And, and rationalize him as being somehow not quite as bad as the GOP or Trump. Well, you know what's interesting? I just recently had a discussion with Glenn Lowry, and Glenn Lowry is conservative, and Glenn Lowry said the same thing. Yeah. So just FYI, people, because he's looking at it from an academic perspective. Glenn Lowry is also a professor, right? So... I had because we and him had that discussion. I think it's up. Yeah, it's up on his channel now. Isn't, isn't he, he that conservative with the bow tie? Yeah, he's he's cons he actually he didn't have a bow tie in. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That no, because because I know you used to go some conservative show every now and then. Uh, you don't go down there anymore. No, I, I've never. This is my first time going on to Glenn's show. Okay, it must uh, be another. It must be another show. There was a show with the guy with the bow tie. He would go in there. You're talking about the guy from um, Crosstalk on RT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was that one. No, Glenn Lowry is a black guy. But Glenn Lowry is conservative. He's an economist. He actually just recently had a debate with uh, Richard Wolf. 
about capitalism. But Glenn Lowry said the same thing. We, me and him had that back and forth discussion recently. Is Joe Biden a fascist? I see it as a class thing. It really is. It's like if you have a class identification with a guy like Joe Biden or the Democratic Party as an institution, you're less inclined to really call them out on their evil. And I see that with Cornell. I mean, I can't help but see it. I don't know if it's a class thing or if it's more so an academic thing, because I can tell you right now. Well, but academics is class. You know, my, my parents yeah, are both professors. Yeah, but but what, I'm, what I'm saying is. I've had this conversation with professors also when I was still at BU, same thing. And they would say, well, the definition of fascism is da-da-da. They're looking at it from like a textbook, a textbook like perspective, right? right? But I told I told Glenn Lowry the same thing. And I said, yes. And let me explain to you the reasons why. Let me explain to you things that Joe Biden did that equal a yes to that. But what was interesting is the fact that Glenn Lowry is conservative. And he still had the same opinion that Dr. West did. So remember, right. Larry is not a Democrat. So I had to explain that to him as well. What I will say is I have noticed on recent interviews with Cornell West, I noticed that he's changed his, his rhetoric around that. Good. So I did. I'm, I did I'm hoping Jimmy Dore got through to him a little bit because, you know, I, th I saw in that debate between the two of them, I've really gone over that, watched it like several times. I really see that there was like a class conflict between the two of them it was just the way the door was approaching him and the way west he, he reacted to the way to, to, to door being so forward and confronting him and i think it, that has a lot to do and this is the class divide that we're going to have to class but we're talking about class between the two jimmy's at a, at a higher class than corner west is. oh no he is now but he's like new money he's not like west is like in a more of an academic and he doesn't. He didn't like. He really bristled at being confronted the way Jimmy. But Jimmy acts that way with everybody. He's like. But, he's very forward. But Jimmy, no, very no, direct. Jimmy no, was no, very he disrespectful. He, he was I'm not sorry, that no, forward no. with RFK Jr. No, Dwayne. He does not act that way towards. Yeah, he didn't do that with RFK Jr. That's absolutely right. true. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely more to it at work. Like if, like even uh, Dora himself, he admitted that maybe he has blind spots with regard to race. I would tell him to his face, uh, you absolutely have blind spots with regard to weight, to race. Uh, but how, said, is it, how is it? These I'm are the kind of things ahead. that we have to, we have to overcome to create a real class movement that from the, from the grassroots up, that's going to confront the power structure that we've got because we have, we know that the Democrats use identity politics, and this is my main problem with Jimmy Dore, as I've, I've stated this over and over again. He discounts the effects of white supremacy, but you cannot agree, you cannot uh, discount the importance of white supremacy when it, it is used to divide, divide and conquer the entire American public. And if you look internationally, our whole foreign policy, imperialist foreign policy, is based upon white supremacy. It's so you can't ignore that it reality. Is, let me make something clear. It is very traumatizing for people to have to experience that and have to deal with that. We were just talking about the black teenager that the, the white boy tried to drown him yes. at the Cape. You know, that shit is traumatizing. So when I experienced people like it. I grew up in Staten Island, man. Right, that so place is like so right wing. People right, called so me nigger my entire life and chased me down the street. I mean, right. I, I mean well, when, when when people like Tim Scott say black people survive slavery. Please. Okay, and, and, and what? Yeah, exactly. About the trauma 
that oh. was passed on, that the trauma that they had to live with and then was passed on to their kids and then we see it every day in our everyday lives in our, with oh. our loved ones and our families we live that trauma on a daily basis right. it's but not like it's something in the past white white folks don't is, understand that but the thing is when people have, I, first of all everybody has blind spots i totally get that mm-hmm. my frustration comes from the part when how is this still a blind spot when you've been told this multiple times? That's right. He's not paying and, attention. And I'll, give, I'll give a recent uh, an example that happened the very first time RBN interviewed Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he brought up the thing about the Black Panthers working with racists. And it was actually JB who corrected him and said, I have to correct you on that. Mm-hmm. The Black Panthers did not work with racists. No, he no. Uh, Fred Hampton said you must renounce racism, or else you can get out of the room. Right, but we've said this multiple times, Dwayne. And he's not hearing it. I completely understand. No, exactly. So you, if I see you still going on to interviews, still saying that after we've explained the history about this multiple yeah. times, and then you can't excuse it by saying, "Well, I have a blind spot." No, you have to wake up. You have to take a look. You have to stop excusing your own blind spot. Look, we're never going to build a movement. Never going to do it unless we can get over our class differences, our race differences, our, our, our chauvinism and racism. And he doesn't, you know, on some level, he's not accepting that. That's on him. I'm just saying that it's more than one place. We have it on the side of Cornell, who may have some sort of class loyalties, and and Jenk, who uh, obviously has a material interest in in not you know looking at what's going on with the, with the party he's loyal to to this day, despite everything he tries to say and pretend to be. Um, we have to come to the conclusion that the both of these political parties are completely corrupt and evil, and we and it's a class based division that's being used against us to divide any kind of a real working class movement to, 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 to change anything in this country. And people fall for it. I mean, right. anybody even, telling me... Even, and that's true, but even within that, we still have to acknowledge, even when it comes to class, even if we had all of those universal policies, as I showed you guys with those graphs, Black people would still be at the bottom. So when people race. tell me, exactly. So when people tell me, ignore the racial shit. Oh, please. And no, that's bullshit. On, and just focus on class or don't talk about white supremacy. You're telling me that you're okay with these universal policies lifting all boats, but you, you're still okay with me still being at the bottom. The GI Bill not okay. Was- the GI Bill was for white people. People don't understand that in this country. That was not extended to black folks who came back from the war after fighting for this country, after putting their lives on the line and, and risking their lives to kill Nazis for, for, for freedom, right? Dwayne. So, no, people like that need to understand. I mean, we, like I said, I mean, all, all I'm doing is saying that we have got to be able to uh, 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 confront the realities here, or else we're not going to be able to form a movement that's dedicated on changing anything. And that this is our real problem. We're all divided against each other. I keep coming back to the same point. I mean, uh, when I see Cornel West call uh, uh, Biden milk toast while he's arming Nazis to kill Russians risking World War III and not a fascist, I say, what is wrong with you? When I see Jimmy Dore 
I'm ignoring you ha 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 with Kurt on this stupid. It really pisses me off. I, I just I just I could. Uh, but see what you what it just we have it's to like, accept. What we have to accept, Dwayne, is that there are no ideological purity test that is going to get anybody all the way through. When Dr. West says that Joe Biden is a milquetoast neoliberal, he is saying that for a reason. And when you look what across, reason? when you look across the totality of Bob, of um, Joe Biden's public service, in total, it adds up to more of that neoliberal milquetoast than it does the fascist thing that Donald he's a fascist Trump walked and a in the and door. A, he's a Nazi so, lover. I cannot but, look at but that the, person here's and the think thing, of anything. Dwayne, here's the he's thing, Dwayne. He's just you, as bad as any Republican. But here's the thing. You cling to the fascist piece because of who you are and what your predispositions are with respect to ethnicity. I don't see it any resonates with Biden. you harder because you are part Jewish and your father, as you just said, lost all of his people in the Holocaust. Yeah, which is and, the, and I which is the same as black and grew Dwayne, up in a black Dwayne, Dwayne, can, can, can the, I, I just respond? I don't see any difference. Can I respond without you interrupting at every word? Here's the thing. That's the same way black people respond more viscerally to issues that have to do with the Holocaust that happened in this nation. I respond viscerally that's, that's to our both lineage, because I experienced both. That, I experienced both. Dwayne, do you ever listen? I respond hey, viscerally Do you ever both. listen? You, you talk all the way through. Yeah, I'm going but, to. But go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I respond viscerally to both, Noel. Okay, I'm black and I'm Jewish. And I grew up in Staten Island with a bunch of Italian and Irish Catholic people both. who called me you nigger, who called me nigger my entire life. What I, I do understand what position is. And you can't get that because you talk all over the situation as if nobody else's view has any merit to it. You don't understand that I have uh, my feet in both. It's ways. not about what you don't understand. If you could not listen to that Jimmy Dore situation with Cornel West and see that Jimmy Dore was not just having a blind spot and, and his talking differently to no, RFK Jr. is I a different that. dynamic than the way he spoke to Cornell no, West, no, and you I don't see the that. disrespect. I have it is said not that a blind right spot. Here. These are bad people. I have said people. that right here, Noel. I've said that right but here. But you keep it's reinforcing the fact. A racist you keep, problem. You continue on. to try and reinforce the fact that no, you I'm think Cornell West anything. is out of his mind I for think not saying Joe Biden is a fascist. Whatever, Dwayne. Yeah, they're both confused. It's on both sides that we have this problem. Jimmy Dore's racism is a problem. Cornell West's classism is a problem. If we but don't there overcome is Cornell it, West issue. When you say class with Cornell West, this is not just a matter of color or education in terms of how you define class. And it doesn't have to do with just money. Class is a much broader concept than that. But what, it, what I see with you is you're attempting to make equal the infractions of Cornel West and those of Jimmy Dore, and that is not correct. Anything that divides us as a movement is equally divides bad. Divides us is not equal to that. Uh, Jimmy's racism divides us. Cornell's, race, Cornell's classism divides us. Jenks' conflicted loyalties divides us. We have problems on the left. 
we're all a bunch of like it's like herding cats. If we don't hold the correct priorities ahead of everything else and we hold on to our divisions, guess what's going to happen? Everything that's been happening, nothing will change. So, Dwayne, so we can be, we can have grievances, we can all hate each other. We can say, "Well, you're an asshole. I'm going to cancel you because you're a racist asshole." That's good. That's that makes me feel good to do that. I hate racists. I grew up with them. Okay, you know Beating what? Me down my whole life. So Dwayne, I'm not. I'm not if you would Noel, just, if I am you, not going to accept that you if think. You would listen, I think that I'm minimizing his you racism. You would listen. I don't. You minimize. just talk all over everything. No, you, you talk all over point, everybody. You're Noel, you're too busy talking over people. I am people. not. Going oh, okay. to minimize racism okay. ever in okay. my life. This is not the GOP not what I'm doing. debate. This is That's not, not what I'm doing. Debate. That's not what I'm doing. Unless I'm saying that if we don't let go of our divisions, they're going to You can't get a conversation. <sighs> okay. Like Dwayne, what? Yeah. Let's. I would like to bring in someone. Uh, Robin, you've been uh, there patiently. <laughs> hey, Sabby, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? <laughs> you know, it's been it's been a while. I'm I, I hate that I have been missing out and everything. Um, you can probably tell my my voice is kind of gone. I um I'm I'm feeling a, a little under the weather, but I am on the mend. But uh, I just wanted to say, you know, uh, that I I still. Well, I'm behind on my videos and stuff like that, but I do listen. I, you know, I try to get in as much as I can. Um, I feel like for me, uh, as someone who I would consider myself politically homeless um, now, that a lot of what I hear going on, you know, like with the debates on on the on the right, and now the debate that I'm listening to and on call in on the left and stuff like that. Uh, you know, I look at both sides and I just go, oh, <laughs> I wish I, you know, uh, I, I, I do hope and pray for a coalition. Um, and I know people talk about red, brown is bad or whatever, or red, I don't even know what it, the, the right terminology is, but I really do believe that there is an opportunity to come together across both right and left on, on for me, two things that really matter. One is, of course, the war, um, or in all wars, not, not just this particular war with Ukraine, but imperialism and, and endless wars and intervening in other countries' uh, business to exploit them for their natural resources and their human resources. Um, I think that there's enough people on both sides of the aisle that could, if we could find a way to get together, that we could put an end to that. And in the same, I think, hand in hand with that, uh, also really supporting and strengthening um, the, the, the labor, the labor movements that I see going on Um as someone who used to work in HR on the other side, I am actually very heartened by a lot of the activities that I'm seeing with the unions, particularly with, especially with this UAW strike. Um, I am very, very happy for those guys. And I hope that they keep their, their foot on 
the uh the the auto companies and everything um because you know i think and and then the same thing with ups too uh which i'm i haven't been able sadly to keep up with what's been going on i know that there was you know some formal agreement i don't know if it maybe you all can tell me whether or not that it's been finalized or whatever but i think more union activity uh is is good and i think that there could be some uh some some coalitions built on both the the right and the left in terms of you know pushing back against the corporate uh oligarchies and things like that the big pharma the big tech the the big auto all of these things you know to get some uh some more stuff going on for the people you know i mean from a personal perspective Part of a, a big reason why I haven't been able to keep up with a, a lot of the videos and call in now is that, you know, I have an evening side hustle, you know, that I do Monday through Friday after my regular job. And I know that with the economy and stuff that's going on, I'm not the only one, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not the only one that's seen, you know, my savings account, you know, dwindle over the last few years, you know. Uh, I'm not the only one that has seen, um, you know, my credit card use go up. And so, and that was another reason why, you know, I got this other, this other thing is to keep, you know, to stop, to stem the tide of that, you know, to not only pay down what I've, I've, you know, what I've racked up, but also to give me some kind of breathing room, you know, and I mean, people like me are looking around and we're seeing, you know, the the news try to tell me or Biden try to tell me that Bidenomics is really good <laughs> and you don't know what you're talking about. And I'm going, I'm not boo-boo the fool. You know, anybody can do a filter on their checking accounts and stuff and see what they paid at the Kroger grocery store or, you know, whatever your local grocery store was, you know, That's back right. in, in, you know, 2020. 2021 2022 versus what you're paying now you know and i don't know what bidenomics was supposed to be doing but my groceries bill is still high as all get out and it's not nearly as many groceries as there was in there that i know i know that i don't understand why it's almost it's over six dollars for a gallon of orange juice i don't buy orange juice on the regular but even if i wanted to i'm not paying six dollars a gallon for it Bidenomics is not helping with that, you know. Well, I'm glad know, I don't drink no juice. Damn. Right. You know, I know that, uh, you know, the the boxes of cereal are smaller than what they used to be. You know, a couple of years ago, they got less cereal in the box. That's the stuff Whoa. I'm looking at. <laughs> you know, That happened with the orange juice, too. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not even gonna tell you guys. Like honestly, I'm I'm trying to remember the last time I had like a bowl of cereal because honestly, like, and JB and I were talking about this like because of the like the grocery store prices that like honestly like for breakfast Monday through Friday mm-hmm. I make a smoothie that like I make a smoothie I get my spinach because spinach is cheap. Um, I get my spinach and my my protein powder and my berries, my flaxseed, my chia seeds. And like when I buy these things, like when I buy flaxseeds, chia seeds, they always come in big containers for whatever reason. And so 
I can buy a container of chia seeds and it'll last me for a couple of months. So it's not like I have to go back and buy this again. And I paid like $4 for that giant container, right? So that's pretty much my breakfast Monday through Friday. And then Saturday and Sunday is when I like actually cook like a breakfast, like eggs or turkey bacon. But I can't, I'm trying to remember the last time I actually bought a box of cereal because I don't, look, I don't drink milk, which is probably a good thing because I've heard that's gone up too. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of those things I just don't mess with anymore. And another thing is like the processed foods, which right. I used to buy a lot. But I don't buy those, I don't buy processed food like that anymore. But but still, even just buying the things that you have to cook, it's still like, I remember a time when I used to pay, we used to pay $200 a month for groceries. That's mm -hmm. it, just $200. And we'd be all good. Now it's like, like, I don't even buy groceries for the month anymore. I go to the grocery store to get a couple of items at a time. Is that bad? Right, right. I mean, and to your point, you know, I used to be able to, you know, go to uh, to Sam's or Costco and buy in bulk. But with the way prices are now, I have to be very selective about what I buy in bulk, you know, because, you, you, I mean, the, your money just doesn't go as far as it used to. So it's like, even though you know that you technically save more money by buying in bulk, but if you don't have that money to spend, you know, yeah. uh, in bulk like that, then you just got to make do with saying, okay, I can't buy 40 rolls of toilet paper, even though, you know, that would be better. I, I can only, you know, I'm only going to buy 12. And I mean, uh, yeah, 12 is still a lot of toilet paper, but I'm just saying that, you know, everybody has had to make uh, different economic choices and things like that. And so my thing is, is that, you know, I'm looking for a candidate that can talk to me about those are the two biggest issues. Exactly. Are you going to stop all of these wars? Because a big part of the reason why our economy is the way it is now is that we are, we are using all of our treasure on funding these wars and it's not going towards what we need at home. If we can yes. stop all of that and focus that money Amen. and keep it here with what's going on here, that'll help tremendously. And then also to to, you know, push back against Wall Street and these corporations that that where everything is geared towards, you know, all of this speculative stuff on the market where the the stock prices are going up, but they aren't making any real tangible uh, growth in terms of like any innovations in products right. and services that can where you can money. say, oh, this is why something is costing more now. No, you're just you're just sucking the 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 sucking people dry for as much as you can. You're not providing better products or services or anything like that. And then when you do receive those increases and stuff, that stuff is not trickling down like you promised that it would. You know, that trickle down theory has been, was was supposedly, has been tried for over 40 years now. 40 years. It doesn't happen. It's that, that, that doesn't work. So stop talking to me about how, you know, uh, if you give more money to the CEOs, then everybody benefits. That's not true. 
So, you know, to the extent that all of these uh, unions are going out there and saying, hey, you got a 40% increase from 2008 until now, until now, and we tightened our belts because you said we needed to in order to save GM. Well, now GM is making more profits than they've ever made before. Now it's time to come back and pay us back what we, what, you know, what we're due and then some. And I'm all in favor of that. And so I support these union guys all the way. And so whatever candidates that are out there that are standing by those people, those are the only ones that I'm going to listen to. And all the rest of this stuff is just noise. And with that, you know, because I can't do much more talking, I'm going to step down from the stage, but I'm going to keep listening. But, Sabby, I wanted to let you know. Oh, go ahead. You you said you're politically homeless. You're no longer with the Libertarian Party. Yeah, well, yes, I am Libertarian in in the sense, but I mean, I, I mean, in the sense that I don't. Even though I'm probably going to vote Libertarian, um, part of me though, uh, I I think right now Libertarian would be ideal economically. But the thing is, we're not in a situation where the, the the playing field is level between managers and workers. So in an ideal situation, right, right, yeah. do I believe that, uh, you know, everybody should be able to negotiate and, and do this and we didn't, you know, and we wouldn't need all of these extra things? I would say, yeah, but it's not ideal. It's not a level playing field. Right now, the playing field is that the CEOs and the corporations are always win and the people that are doing the work are always losing. And I don't, and, and you know, even though I do believe that unions are an imperfect uh, mechanism in order to bring, to level out that playing field, uh, it's the best thing that we've got for now. And so I say, let's write that, you know, as far as we can, you know, uh, and so that's kind of where I am with that. So, so let me ask you: um, do, do libertarians support co-ops or, or just Larry Sharp? Uh, I don't know, um, but I'm open to co-ops. You know, for me, I because that'll level the playing field. I, I'm open to them uh, in theory. I've I've never seen one bear out in practice. Um, you know. So and and I I think my feeling with co-ops is is that they're probably a lot like communes in that communes in small settings are really great you know like for example you know you look at communities like the Amish and things like that really tight knit communities and they help each other and stuff and that's great that those types of societies though the, it tends to get harder and harder to manage the larger they get which is why mm-hmm. eventually they start splintering off and, and, and forming other smaller groups. I think it's harder to do those things at it's large kind of, scale. It's kind of like a self-antitrust enforcement. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm, op- I'm, I'm definitely in favor of that as a concept. But, you know, I think that the larger those organizations get, the more it tends to become... They, they have, there's opportunities for corruption and autocracy and things like that, though, that, you know, uh, that you have to battle. But yeah, I'm open to that, uh, to, to worker co-ops, uh, absolutely. For, from a libertarian 
party perspective, I, I'm not sure where they stand on it. I don't know why they would be opposed to it, you know. Uh, but like I said, I don't see that 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 model uh, lending itself to economies of scale. I hear you. I hear you. Oh, Sabrina, I just wanted to say the, the uh, and Robin was talking about orange juice. Simply orange juice used to be uh, 64 ounces, and a few years ago, they snuck it down to 52 ounces. So, yeah, they, they, they call that shrinkage. But, um, but yeah, Sabby, you know, uh, even though I may not be on live and, and, you know, I'm still trying to catch as many videos as I can. Uh, you know, like I said, I can't, you know, uh, I can't get on because I'm working while you're, you're talking, but I still support you guys. I still support what you do. Thank you for continuing to, to, to be out there and being a voice. And thank you for allowing me to, to give my contrarian views and stuff and, and listen to me. And, uh, with that, I'm going to exit the stage and keep listening. Y'all keep up the fight. Oh, thank you so much, Robin. That's really sweet. Dwayne, I'm going to move you to Savvy, speaker. Okay, can I say one thing? If, if it's okay with you, Savvy? You have to be quick because people... Been oh, no, I'll be very, very, very quick. There's two documentaries I was, I was wondering if you'd ever seen called... Uh, one called um, Exterminate All the Brutes by Raoul Peck, uh, which is a great history of the, the underpinnings, the racist uh, white supremacist underpinnings of U.S. foreign policy and imperialism going all the way back, the way back. Um, and uh, that's uh, Raul Peck, Exterminate All the Brutes. Um, it was on HBO. I really would recommend that to anybody who wants to look at, you know, why we have this, you know, what under what undergirds the race, the, the, the under, what undergirds our, 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 our uh, um, imperialist foreign policy. It's it just explo exploitation based upon race. And then the U.S. and the Holocaust, which is a Ken Burns documentary. Um, you know, about the Holocaust and about the United States. We've always been fascist in this country. I mean, the, the, the Nazis built, the Nazis were built by, by the United States, uh, by the Ford and uh, General Electric. And, you know, Disney supported the Nazis. They built the Nazi war machine and provided, more importantly, the philosophical underpinnings for white supremacy and Nazism. Um, the, the, the Hitler was uh, inspired, actually, by the Uni United States genocide of the Native Americans. So that's those are two great documentaries. One's Ken Burns produced. The other one's Raoul Peck, who I love. Uh, he's Haitian, and he did the uh, Exterminate All the Brutes. And um, and another thing, my mom, who I was talking about in the chat, she's 85, and she's uh, she I was talking about her in the chat because she's uh. She she met Martin Luther King. She shook his hand at a conference. She's a psychologist, and she's 85. And she met him in Washington at a conference. And I was just mentioning that if everybody could pray for her, I'd really appreciate it because she's uh she's having some heart surgery, so I'm kind of worried about her. And uh, uh, I just wanted to mention that. Sorry to hear that, Dwayne. Um, I wish you know I wish your mom the best, and I'll, I'll check out those Thanks. documentaries. Oh, those are great documentaries. Everybody needs to watch those. They're great. I, I've watched them over and over again. That Raul put that Raul Peck documentary. Oh, that is riveting. It's amazing. Uh, it's called Exterminate All the Brutes. I'd really recommend that. He's Haitian. He's a great. He's uh, that 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 documentary is incredible. It really truly is. I just I, everybody needs to watch that. Now Kevin Burns thing because that Ken Burns okay, thing. Okay, so Dwayne, um, let me move you as a as a speaker. 
Sure, thank you. So I can let me go to the other uh, people. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm, thanks. Tiffany, what's up? Just got to hit unmute. Hi. Hey, how are you? I like the little puppy with the crown. <laughs> Good evening. Um, I called in because I saw the little snippet of the video um, with the DNC guy at the college. Um, that bothered me a lot. Um, and I want to speak out to parents. When you drop your children off at these colleges, don't just drop them off and, and don't look back or don't go visit. Because what you fail to realize is they send these type of people there all the time. All the time. They're no different than a dope dealer waiting outside of the school trying to get the next the next um, person addicted to drugs. And I am just tired of people playing in the faces of black people like it's okay. I am so sick and tired of the playing in our faces and it being okay to say what you want to say because you're just going to get the vote anyway. I wish we would wake up and understand that the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, does not think they owe us anything for our vote. Our vote is a guaranteed vote for them. They don't have to give us anything for our votes. I work as a nurse, and so I see a lot of political things play out in the hospital setting that a lot of people are not privy to seeing. The way that people are treated on a daily basis It's a blue and red situation in the hospital on a daily basis on the way that you're treated and the way that that you get treatment. Um, And I would just say, like, I work in a neonatal department um, dealing with very sick babies when they're first born. And so I see the mothers who are treated much different depending on what their skin color is. And I wish that people would even, you know, touch bases on that aspect of what we need to be doing in healthcare. Black women are dying. They are dying in large numbers in the hospitals. They're leaving these sick babies. They're leaving these babies to be by themselves and no one's saying anything, no one's doing anything. Um, I've been in the nursing field now for 25 years. I have a daughter that's a pre-med student, a son that's a med student. And we sit around and we talk about this. And my kids got into it because of my passion of just fighting for mothers who don't always have a voice when they come into the hospital. You know, Oh, don't give them pain medication. They don't need it. They're going to be, you know, they're, they're druggies or whatever. We hear that. Not just from other nurses, but from doctors. And so I, I just, I plead with everybody. Like I said, even with the, you know, the fact of the kids at the schools, it's the same thing. Like talk to your children, sit down with them. Make them sit down with you and see what your views are, but don't you don't have to push them upon them, but let them understand why your views are your views and allow them to make the choices they need to make, but also also instill in them that their voice 
this matter. Their votes matter. And they shouldn't just be voting on, you know, this 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 threat mechanism of, oh, this is the, you know, the lesser of the evils. No, because if that's the case, we've been playing this game for years and years and years and years. It's not going to end. What's next? DeSantis is the next one, right? So why are we allowing our children not to understand that that's what's going on? We have to sit down because they're the next, they're the next ones up. And I feel like if we've all had those conversations growing up, and we understood what our positions were instead of, you know, it just being like, oh, black people, we have to do this and we got to go vote. But we didn't even know what we were voting about or but why we were voting for who we were voting for. We have to wake up because they're playing in our faces and they laugh at us on public. But you know, about it. But you know what, though, when we were coming up, mm-hmm. we did not have access to information like you're right like they have you right see what i'm saying you're right and they're a lot more smarter than than we were because oh, yes. oh, yes. i had when 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 i had the customers in my car and sabrina was doing her show mm-hmm. they were shocked that about how they teach um about the civil war in the south mm-hmm. you know when mm-hmm. saying the the war of northern aggression the two white girls in my car was like what I said, no, no, yeah, they teach that in the South. It's like, get out of here. Yes, they do. And But you see, here's the thing. They cannot hide the information now because the information is out there on the Internet. You know what I mean? I learned a lot of stuff from Google or, you know, social media, whatever, YouTube, whatever you want to call it. You know what I mean? And people would try to guess things about – I've heard people say – Oh, did you study constitutional law? Oh, did you? <laughs> I was like, I studied the internet. That's that's how I know this stuff. I went to school for IT. I didn't go to school for. Oh, did you study poli sci? Nope, I studied the internet. <laughs> that's that's what I that's what I studied. You know what I mean? So, if you talk to um, yeah, yeah, we came up with the vote blue, no matter who. The only thing that matters is you vote. Yeah. And the thing is, here's the thing. Whose fault is that really about, well, the Democrats just take our votes for granted and they don't give us anything. That's we that, we got to put that on us for not right. demanding. You right. know what I mean? They, I mean, when Who's they the talk about. Anything? Yes. And, and then what happens is when we talk about we like the. Message from Patty. Oh, for uh, you at H1. Oh, oh, uh, oh, sorry. Sorry. Uh, I've arrived. Um. Where's H1? So, yeah, yeah. So when we were coming up, we were talking about there needs to be someone black in that position. We were, well, we was like talking about, you know, representation, you know, because there was this assumption. Oh, there was this assumption that, oh, well, that means that they're automatically going to look out. Well, yeah, that was true for the uh, Marion Barry. And that was true for Harold Washington. And that was true for uh, who else? Um, oh, the woman from Brooklyn, Church oh. Shirley Chisholm. Um, but and and you know, and that was true for all of them. That is no longer true anymore because with, with these Negroes that came up after them, they was you know like yo, we trying to get paid. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And um, 
just like you did the Sabrina, you did the Ibram Kendi thing. You know what I mean? And and mm-hmm. and on like I said, on one end, we're fighting um like the 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 the, the leftists, the white leftists that just want to focus on class and don't want to uh, stay away from race. And on the other side, we fight with 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 black people who don't want to focus on class. They just want to focus on race for their grift <laughs> so, so they could sell a book and they're not really doing anything about the problem. You know, right. that would be your Nicole Hannah Jones and your and, and what's the guy the in, Ingram X or whatever the guy's name is. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and that. So we're fighting it on both ends. We're getting it on both ends. Mm-hmm. So, you know, anyway, I got my customer. I'll go on mute. Thanks. Uh, Yeah, I totally hear where you're coming from, Tiffany. And I think, you know, I was fortunate that like my parents had discussions with me early on. Right. Like, so I I noticed like when I went to school, you know, my parents had that discussion with me early on. Listen, you know, the teachers may treat you differently than the white kids. Right. And Mm -hmm. then I went into education as I became an adult and I saw it even more. It was just like the black kids would be punished more harshly than the white students. I saw that also in the workplace right. where black employees would be punished more harshly than white employees. And like, these are the kind of things that like we do need to talk about. And you're right when you say that, like, you have to have these conversation with your kids when you drop them off to college, because you're right. I remember like my freshman year of college, like the political, the political organizations were front and center, just like, yeah. you know, like college Democrats. I told you guys before I used to be a part of college Democrats. And they fill your minds with all with all kinds of things. And it's like, especially if you're like first generation to go to college. So it's like my parents didn't know how to prepare me for that. They didn't know how to prepare me for like college. And even when they said, you know, you know, the teachers may treat you differently than like the white students or whatever. My parents didn't have that experience. They were just telling me like what they had heard from other parents and their kids because my parents went to segregated schools. Right. And so it, it was a totally different, totally different world for them. But I think that it's, it's very telling and what you were saying in reference to the medical field, because I remember Serena Williams um, mm-hmm. talking about her, her pregnancy story. And I was like, damn, so this is not just a class issue because if they, if the doctors would ignore Serena Williams, who has the money to have the best doctors, that's racial. Yes. And Sabi, what, what happened for me was I was a 16 year old mom and I went in the hospital. I had toxemia. Blood pressure was 170 over 80 and I was sick. I told them I don't feel good. Something's not right. They ignored me. They ignored me. That's what got me in the medical field. The way I was treated, I was treated like trash and almost died. And I was in ICU for two and a half weeks while my son was at home fighting for my life because they ignored things, signs that were going on with me because of who I was. Mm -hmm. And I vowed that day, I said to myself, I will never allow someone to be treated this way ever. I will get in this field. I will do what I need to do. And like I said, I was a 16-year-old mom. Me and my husband have been together from our very first child till now. 
and you know my other kids are now going in that field as well you know and i tell people like i watch it on a day-to-day basis like i have almost gotten fired for like stepping up like no you're not gonna do that like no you're gonna take care of her you're gonna do what you have to do i have whistleblown doctors i have whistleblown on administrators i have gotten rid of a lot of people in the area that I am in because I do not go for it. I can't. I watch too many women die on the table over the smallest things, infection, tools being left inside of them, not getting the proper, they're just throwing women out of the hospital. You have a baby and you're out of there now. And if you have a baby by 12 noon, you're going home that day, period, period. It's no, unless you have a C-section and you're going to go home the next day. They're sending, wait, they're sending women home the same day? Same maybe. day. Same day. Same Holy day. If you shit, have your my mom baby, was in the hospital for like a couple of days after she had my sister. No. If you have that baby by a cutoff time, and every hospital has a different cutoff time. If you have your baby before that time, some hospitals are releasing baby mothers at 10 o'clock at night. <sighs> Because they had their baby before 12 o'clock. Aren't they supposed to wait until you have your first? They don't have to. <laughs> okay. I didn't want to get too TMI for you guys, but te- technically, like they say, like you're, they're supposed before to wait until they have their first, mm-hmm. their first movement. Because yeah. so. <laughs> it's important. It's important that that happens, you know, um, but they don't care. They do not but- care. Here's another th- here's another issue. If we are talking in real time at this stage, this late stage in the near the first quarter mm-hmm. of the 21st century and we are still confronting these race-based realities, yes. that tells everybody that this country has never effectively confronted race and that is why these issues are so persistent and that is why when we even contemplate the idea of building solidarity within class race has to be one of the first issues we really confront because it is one of the biggest divides within class. And so to identify those other economic-based class issues and want to prioritize them because of what white people are experiencing within class, it's just almost a deal breaker because everything that white people are experiencing through class in terms of working class and poor, black people have experienced all those things on top of class. So right. we need to deal with this race issue so that we can build the firm foundation around the rest of the class issues. But if we keep coming to the table, with white people, she she poo pooing the black issues because they don't want to believe they exist or they believe, you know, it doesn't happen, then you're not going to build a firm foundation because we know what we're still experiencing this late into the 21st century. It is still there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The level of treatment is, is, is disgusting. 
It's disgusting. It's disgusting. And you know what, too? Imagine not having the other thing, too. It's even worse if you don't have insurance. No, because I'm going to tell you this. Um, insurance. Color matters more than insurance. Mm. And that's the honest to God truth. Um, I honestly thought I was going to give up being a nurse during COVID because that's where we saw the most racist things happening. A lot of black people died because they were just black. They did not get the treatment that they deserved. They did not get the same treatment as white people got. They didn't even walk in their rooms half the time. Um, they would literally just stand by the door and treat them from outside the door. Um, it was as if they had a more aggressive type of COVID for some reason. Like that's that's what I got from it, you know. Um, and I watched a lot of my coworkers die, and unfortunately, they were black. They were called to be at the hospital more often than anyone else. They were told that if they left the hospital, they were going to be fired. A lot of stuff goes on that people don't even understand is happening. And when I'm watching these political arenas, I'm just sitting there like I deal with life and death every day, every day. And I decided to go back to neonatal because out of all the most innocent part is dealing with babies. That's the easiest because they're the only ones who really get maybe a little more sympathy, but it's not much. And I'm telling you, it's not much. It's not much. They will put less. And I'm just going to give you an example. If we have a white baby, that's very sick. And you have a black baby. That's very sick, right? They will give the black baby to a nurse who already has five to six patients. The white baby is with a nurse who has two to three patients. See, this is exactly why, and I know a lot of people, for whatever reason, want to be lawyers. I think we need more black doctors. Mm -hmm. We need more black nurses. And I, this is something that I've been saying for quite some time because it just, I mean, even for me, I've gone through multiple, like when I moved to, when I was in South Carolina, I had a black doctor, like it wasn't difficult to find. <laughs> I'm just gonna be honest, wasn't difficult to find because there's more black doctors in places where there's more black people. Right. That's just the reality. Right. When I moved to Massachusetts, there aren't as many black doctors, but I was just like, okay, whatever. First doctor I had, I felt like was very impatient. I said, nah, gotta go. Second doctor I had was a, was a man, and no offense to the dudes in the chat, but not exactly nurturing or so to speak, and can just be very like, I don't know, like just not sincere, right? <laughs> Sometimes kind of rude, yeah. just doesn't, just not comforting. I said, nope. And then I, I finally like found a doctor who I, who I have now, who I don't know what this woman take during the day, but I've <laughs> never met someone that's so jolly. Like this woman is jolly, like all, just like naturally happy and shit. Like, you know, she's just like, oh, well, you know, we're just going to take care of this and da, da, da. And one thing I did notice that was different about her is she talks about prevention. Yes. Which a lot of doctors do not do. Yes. So if you 
like ask her a question like how can I do this da 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 instead of pushing pills yes diet she'll tell you natural things that you can diet. do and that was a big red like a big eye-opening moment for me and I said this is what every doctor should be doing they should be telling you about prevention and not pushing pills yes so what I did was I have like I said I have two kids who are going into being doctors one cardiology and the other one neurology um I before they got where they're where they're at now I made them take a nutritional class for two years learning about nutrition, learning about herbs, learning about different things. Because um, like you said, prevention is, is more important. Um, like we never understood, like a lot of nurses and doctors when COVID was going on, we were in a disarray about like the way they were treating people. Because we were like, wait a minute. First of all, you guys are offering donuts and cupcakes and, and hamburgers for people to come and get vaccines. Why don't you give them a Whole Foods card? Why don't you do something that makes more sense to me? Like you're you're going to give them more poison to kill them off quicker because diet is everything when it comes down to your health. So the way that you eat is very important to how you will heal. And a lot of doctors and nurses don't talk about that, but it's the truth. Like you will not you will live a lot longer if you eat better. That's just honest to God truth. And it's that's just the way it is. I don't care what you get, um, who you are. If you eat better, exercise, and live better, you will live better. Just, just the bottom line. But they don't teach that because guess what? It doesn't pay. Yep. You can't patent a, 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 a orange. You can't patent a, you know, a banana. You can patent medicine, though. And that's the big thing, you know, like we get offers for pharmaceutical companies like represent us, represent us, and they will give you money. But it's like, this is disgusting. It's disgusting. You guys don't even understand. Like, I literally sit down with, with, with mothers and I tell them, like, look here, like you just escaped dying right now. And I want you to understand, if you can manage to never have to come back to the hospital, do so. But this is what you need to do. You need to eat. You need to do this. You need to, you need to do this. You need to get outside, get some sunlight. You need to eat vegetables every single day. Mm -hmm. Juice. Get you a smoothie regimen. Get you a juice regimen. Take vitamins, please herbs, all that, all that works. It helps the body. You need things for your defense. Listen, and I'm going to get everybody on these smoothies because I'm serious because like I, I got JB on the smoothies. I got I JB. Did. JB was like, he said, Sabs. He said, <laughs> I didn't, he said, I didn't lost some weight since I started these smoothies. He was like, mm -hmm. I don't even look at food the same way I used to anymore. I was mm -hmm. like, JB, I'm so, I'm so proud of you. I'm yeah. so happy for you because no, it's true. Like, I eat vegetables with every single meal mm -hmm. and that wasn't always the case, but I promise you guys, like you will feel so much better. You'll have more energy. Yes. You'll sleep better. You won't deal with that. I guess guys don't have to deal with this, but you won't end up with that bloat like that. Yeah. I had a carb overload bloat. 
And yeah. I tell people also the other thing, the flip side of it too, is this, um, cause a lot of people, they see me with my green juice and they're like, is it good? And I'm like, no, I don't go for the taste. I go for the feeling of what I feel like, you know, I feel good every day, all day. Um, but I, I just want people to understand that when we have kids, when they turn 18, they're not grown yet. So when you drop them off at school, please understand that you still need to be checking up on them because there are predators in the credit industry, the medical industry, the political industry that are looking for your children as victims to their prey. You know, they want to prey on them to get whatever they're selling. And if you're not careful enough, your children will be a part of that, that whole circus and, and dog and pony show. And you have to understand that it is so important that they understand that they have your support, your love, and that they're not on their own at 18 years old and that you're still there for them. Because I see that too much too. I see it, you know, in the hospitals, these young ladies are having babies. I am grateful. You know, I was young having a baby, but I am grateful that I had a family that didn't look down on me when I had my my son and didn't, you know, just discard me and say, oh, she's fast or whatever the case may be. They still had support and faith in me. And, you know, I became a nurse before I before I was 18 years old, I was an LVN, worked my way up. I'm a nurse practitioner. And, you know, I was told, oh, you're not going to be anything because you had a baby at 16. No, baby, you can turn your lives around. So if you're listening, you can turn your lives around from that and you can be successful. I own my own home. I live in Dana Point in Orange County, California. So you can live a good life. You can have a good life beyond whatever choices you have made in your life. I want you to understand that. I want you to know that. And a lot of people need to know that. They need to know that. We need more black cooperative owned hospitals. Yes. 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 Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Tiffany. I'm going to go on to Jacoby. Thank you. You guys have a good night. Thanks, you too. Keep us nurses in your prayers. <laughs> Will do. What's up, Jacoby? Uh, good evening, Miss Sabrina. Good evening, Mr. Roger, Miss Noel, Mr. Eric T, Dwayne, and Ashura. How y'all doing tonight? Uh, so I was listening to uh, Claudia towards a bit about um, reparations, and in my personal opinion. I think she needs to not talk about that subject because my point from is that it's supposed to be lineage-based reparations for Black Americans here. And mm -hmm. while we're on the, while I was waiting, I decided to go to Google and look up how many uh, Black towns were burned down, um, at least about 60 of them, all the way from the 1800s all the way up to um, 1954. And every time when black people try to get something, everybody always has to interject themselves in it. And it's very selfish because we as black Americans have basically wrote the template for civil rights. 
And without civil rights, a lot of a lot of immigrants wouldn't be here today. Um, so in case in point, so in uh, Oregon, if everybody remembers, Mr. Brandon, do you remember the COVID-19 relief bill in Oregon where um, a Latino woman and two white uh, business owners sued the state because they, it was racist and they yes. blocked money to black Americans, about $50 million. Well, in the state of Oregon, there's only about 35,000 black Americans right now in the state of Oregon. And so the, the point I'm making is she wants to say there's, there's never, that cash can never be the end all be all. Well, cash will solve a lot of the problems. Cash can help put generational wealth for your family. Cash can help with your um, building homes, building businesses. Cash can find you a better doctor. Cash can do a lot of things. But every time we talk about cash is, oh, we need to look at the books. We, oh, we have to, uh, oh, the tax, the taxpayers are gonna pay a lot of money, but nobody was saying that about Ukraine. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, when I go to Google, and I and I remember I, I took a political of it that some of the uh, Ukraine immigrants can get Social Security benefits right here on the Social Security website. Yeah. For non-citizens. <laughs> and then we got Chuck Schumer here, and I have it right here, talking about we have a population that is not reproducing on its own with the same level that it used to. The only way we're going to have a great future is if we welcome immigrants to get the path to citizenship for all 11, 11 million illegal immigrants. He wasn't talking about black folks because they were getting them Haitians about here and they still are. So I, I say that to say this, black folks are, are on their own and we've been on our own. And I would appreciate that Claudia would keep her name, will keep her mouth out of reparations because reparations is a lineage based for black Americans that were wrong. And so you don't think you don't think she should have it on her platform though? If she ain't talking about cash payments, there ain't nothing else to talk about. Because what she wants to do is a all in. We all in yeah. this together. We're not all in this together. She See, was doing the all lives matter on us. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. She needs to keep her name. She needs to keep the reparations out of her mouth. If she wants to do something for her people, go ahead and do that. Black folks never interject ourselves into other people's business. We didn't say anything about DACA. We didn't say anything about every program, everything. We didn't. We say, if you want to go ahead, go ahead and get it. But as soon as black Americans are getting $50 million specific for black Americans here in Oregon, they shut that shit down. Yeah. And I'm not talking about, I, I, I will, I'll send you the link if I can send it here. I'm not saying don't help your friends. I'm not talking about individualism. I have friends from all races of life. I've been very blessed. I'm, I'm talking about organizations as a group. And, and we're going to have to understand that the reason why Trump has the highest polls for black people right now is because of the immigration issue. And yeah. a lot of people, a lot of people were, were calling him crazy back then. Now we kind of, I didn't vote for the man. Okay. I wanted to see what was going to turn out. Now everybody's looking at, now I have to decide between economics and immigration, and you pushing that all in black folks in town, nobody said anything. But as soon as they start pushing that stuff in Manhattan, that was a problem. 
And so now everybody's starting to understand the, the ramifications here. They just allowed 472,000 illegal Venezuelans to come here. They didn't, didn't allow no Haitians to come in here. Yeah, I I want to talk about that story, but actually I was going to reach out to um, Lucy actually to see. I got a guest on Sunday, but um, yeah. tell me when I come back to see if uh, she want to come on to talk about that because um, I heard about that story and I was like, oh shit. Yeah, because they want to the know. Yeah, Mr. Brand, they want the, they want the white population up. That's oh, what wait, was going on. I'm sorry, Mr. Brand. Um, they want to make they want to increase the white population and remove black folks from um, because we still have power in the voting for now, but we're not going to have that in the next term mm -hmm. if we get this wrong. And so it's so egregious that you know, they actually try to pass a bill in D.C. to make illegal immigrants voters. And, I heard. And Latinos are very conservative, okay? And here's the thing. That black and brown shit, it don't work with me anymore because I saw the get down during COVID. I start looking up archives in, on Google. We live in a system of information, right? So I don't live in California. I don't need to live in California to see what's going on in California. They got a little racial caste thing going on too. Okay. So just because they're Latino and stuff, we share some of the same crop, they don't mean that they accept us. They have the issues with black folks too, because they got issues with, with a lot of dark skinned folks down in Mexico. Okay. So it don't, it don't translate up here and we don't know who we're getting up here. We don't know if we're getting some of the cartels come up in here. We don't know if we're getting a bunch of murderers up in here. We don't know. We don't know anything what's going on right now. And then that shit in New York and Chicago is about to blow like a damn powder keg because you're going to push those black residents to the point of it's going to get busy because now they always, they always blame Chicago about the crime rate. Mm -hmm. Not every black Chicagoan is committing crime. Right. Mm -hmm. And they don't take into account of all the legal immigration now that's coming in to start that, that that affects the numbers. And then they're going to push black folks out of those neighborhoods and make it their own. And then in the meantime, they're going to tell you to pull yourself up by your fucking bootstraps. Okay. Well, your, your, your reparations is coming here. Okay. Well, you know what? Hopefully 2024 people will wake up to this and not continue supporting the Democratic Party because the thing is, is this. I mean, I saw people complaining in Chicago. I saw people complaining uh, in New York. And my thing is, if they can give them homes and give them work permits yeah. and give them yeah. like money and all that shit, they don't give us anything. Yeah. And, and the homeless population in New York is 50 percent. Black homeless population. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I, I was... I'm just saying to say this, we, for the old, see the new generation of black voters are changing. I am changing. I changed a long time ago, but the old generation, they're still holding on to that old generation of black voters. They treat Democrats like it's a fucking religion. And you have to, we have to get off that. I'm not saying me and you, Miss Sabrina or Miss No, we have to understand that voting is a business transaction. I want something for my vote. Just like the United Auto Workers, I don't care who is the head of the CEO. 
I want something for my boat because when those electric cars start pushing through, those jobs aren't going to be there like it used to be for combustion engines. And so that's why they're trying to get whatever they can get right now. So it's the same thing we have to do here because, see, during the old days, during the 90s, a lot of black folks got got it easy. And what I mean by that, what do you mean by that, Jacoby? Well, you got a lot of benefit programs that a lot of black, a lot of black men couldn't get. We, we had it, they had it pretty good. Now those times are coming to an end. Now the new generation is suffering. There is no wealth to pass on. Okay. Yeah. Either we get it now or we don't because cash payments, either cash payments or nothing. And the thing about Jimmy Dore, cause I'm trying to wrap it all up in here. I was following Jimmy Dore hardcore when it was 250,000 subscribers. I was rocking with him cause he, was on point on many things. The minute he started talking about reparations and his condescending issues about reparations and what the comments were saying in the chat, I said, I can't get down with that. We have to, just because people can, just because you got an Eminem in your, in your group don't mean he's down. Okay? Mm -hmm. Just because you can recite Malcolm X W. His favorite is Black Panther. Yeah. Malcolm X, James Baldwin, uh, a lot of the writers uh, who was riding. You can recite all that, but if you talk, if you, when you talk about reparations and you, and you hitting brakes like it's a train, we got a problem <laughs> because now you just want to keep me, let's give you some programs. I'm a black man. I don't need no fucking programs. I got it through it the hard way. In America, I didn't get no fucking programs. And when I did, I couldn't wait to get off them because they hold you back. And so that I don't want. Just cut the check. You can cut the check for Ukraine. You can cut the check for all the illegal immigrants. You can cut the check for all the wars you're causing up in there. You can cut the check for many things. Cut the damn so, check. Cut so, the Jacoby. Check. Uh, Yo, go ahead. So so, so Jacoby also, yeah, I was going to mention that too. I just didn't like it. You beat me to the punch or whatever. Um, but yes, yeah, she, I, I, I was just like, I cringed at that because she was asked about reparations. And before you knew it, she veered off into all lives matter land yeah. talking about the indigenous people and this and that. But then, and, but then she said, well, I'm concerned about they're going to spend the money are they going to spend it in capitalism and keeping up the system at the corporations well it's not yeah. your bit it's none of your business how we spend it okay Correct. if we choose to do the cooperative way if we choose to do the capitalist way if we do whatever it's money that's owed right it's, it's money that's owed what, what are you putting stipulations on it yeah but you know and, what i mean here, yeah i feel you and here's the thing roger my grandma is from covington alabama my mom was born and her three uh, sisters, yeah, three sisters and brother was born in Seattle, Washington. My dad is Ethiopian, so I have to put that out there. He came here in 1973. I say that to say this. If they decide to do lineage base 100% all the way, I'm okay with that. Black folks are owed reparations in this country. If you can do it for the Jewish cult community, if you can do it for the Japanese concentration camps, you can do it for the LGBT, 
you can do it for blood, but see, you don't want to do it because we have to be the lowest caste system. I'm, I'm totally fine. I want black folks to get their money. You know, I, I get it. We, we've been through a whole lot late. I mean, I don't think I understand about Tulsa, Oklahoma. Let's go back to that. The judge dismissed the yes. case of the last two survivors with prejudice. But she was the same one who granted the case to go through. Now they're appealing it to the highest court to see if it was ethical the way she did it. See, this is a fucking game they all playing. And we ain't got time to play these emotional games. Oh, Biden is going to, or Trump is going to get us. I wasn't scared of no Trump. Because you have to look at what black folks went through. And everybody wants to talk about the, the breaking up the family. Well, who broke up the family? Who broke up the family? I mean, it was actually technically both parties, but really one party did more than the other party. And so now we all want to complain. And now you got this fentanyl crisis. You got this opioid crisis that's skyrocketing. And I don't hear nobody doing jail time. So nothing broke up the black family more than Biden's criminal, you know, mass incarceration bill. Yeah, yeah, and everybody got scared of Trump, but Trump didn't. That's right. Trump, Trump didn't put no bills uh, right. again. He he said some fucked up shit about the Central Park Five, yeah. and he he actually doubled down on it. But and I I didn't think that, I didn't think. Oh, go ahead, Miss Sabrina. I was just gonna say I just want to add in. Don't forget Reagan war on drugs too. Oh oh yeah yeah the the, the Iran Contra down there, which they turn around destabilized the government down there, which pushed a lot of legal immigration up here. But, and Clinton, the, know, the the crack cocaine laws. Oh yeah, the, which the CBC, Nixon. which the CBC voted for it. Well, the Nixon. CBC pushed it through too. The CBC could have said no, but see, this is what happens when you get coons. And the CIA and, uh, brought that in here. Uh, oh yeah. Gary Webb. Yeah, Gary Webb. Who got? He shot himself twice in the head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, see, I got time for the fucking game. But here's the you thing: know, and, uh, we have to yeah. just acknowledge that white supremacy in this nation has always been a bipartisan project. Yes, ma'am. If it's not Absolutely. one leading it, the other is abiding with it. If the And you know, so no matter how you slice it, black people who have descended through slavery could not remain at the bottom of the socioeconomic strata in this nation for as long as we have been here if there were not deliberative actions by both parties to keep us at that place. And let's also be clear that when immigrants come to this nation, they're not coming to seek justice for the descendants of slaves. They are coming for opportunities. Correct. And if those opportunities displace the descendants of slaves, they could care less. That's You're absolutely exactly right, Miss Noel. You know, so yeah, that you issue has there. to be dealt with. Oh, yeah, yeah, but we have to deal with it. We have to get on, on code. And being on code doesn't mean every single um, black person get on code. So that's, that's not going to happen. Not everybody's going to be here next year. It's got, this year going to be here next year. You have to be on code and learn how to weave out the people who's going to set you back. The ones who set you back, you're going to have to kick them. You have to kick them to the curb. You know what's Take amazing care. to me, Jacoby? You know what's amazing to me and Noel? Yeah. How many people with Latino surnames end up joining the white supremacist movements? I'm like, oh, wow, look at this. Oh. 
suddenly we're back down at the bottom of the totem pole again, and you have Latinos who are identifying as white supremacists because of their Spanish heritage. Nazi lowriders. I can't stand uh, it. I was just I was just gonna say, um, I wanna bring in Lucy really quick about the the Venezuela um point that you brought up. Okay, yes, yes, ma'am. Lucy, if you wanna go ahead and unmute. Oh <laughs> um, hi Savvy. <laughs> oh, so I guess you realize I've been a little outspoken about the whole Venezuela <laughs> the Venezuelan issue. Um, but I, I just you know, like I I, I guess I feel comfortable dunking on them a little bit because I'm Latino, so, you know, nobody can say it's not, like, the same as dunking somebody of another, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, the, thing about, the thing about the Venezuelans, right, uh, is, I, like, I'm sure you all have realized the hypocrisy at the border, right, with the Haitians right. getting booted and the Venezuelans, you know, like, it's like they were waving on the way in. <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. I think um, it, like part of it is racial, but but it's not just that. Um, it's really like the Democrats, right? Basically, what it is is a form of political gerrymandering, but through the immigration system. So instead of redrawing the political districts like they do every year, or whatever, what they do, and both both of them do this, is they're just like we're gonna let in a bunch of people that are likely Republican voters. And that's that's the Venezuelans, basically, in a nutshell, right? Um, because basically, if the economy fails in your country, when you're under capitalism, you are more likely to be at least center-left, right? But if, you, if your economy fails when under socialism, under quotation marks, right? Like, we know that no no economy is really 100% capitalist or socialist, but whatever, like leaving the nuances aside, you're more likely to be like a, you know, a conservative voter. So the Venezuelans, by and large, regardless of class, like especially the ones that come here, they are Republican voters, like the majority, the, the grand majority. <laughs> mm-hmm. And... Um, uh, this is why they're given uh stipend TPS like you know uh the Haitians get turned away the the Mexicans and the Guatemalans like the Mexicans that came here during NAFTA in the 90s they still don't have TPS <laughs> they've been here for 20 years they have grown children you know so yeah. um uh, you know like i you know it's very complicated and I don't really expect people to get in the weeds of it. Like I, I'm very comfortable talking about it because, um, well, I, my, my background's Argentinian, but I grew up around a lot of Cubans actually, like a lot. Um, and, um, like I had a lot of aunties, you know, everybody has aunties that aren't really their families. Um, uh, and, a lot of them were actually Democrats. Like, not all Cubans are, are Republicans. People don't know that. But, um, well, uh, well, and some of them were fiercely like anti Castro. And some of them were totally left, like, you know, the opposite direction. Um, but basically, like, the, the thing with the, the Cubans and the Venezuelans specifically is that. Um, they were given a lot of benefits when they when you come here, and why wouldn't you love capitalism if if you're 
allowed into the country and given a stipend and you know given like more opportunities and you get to mm -hmm. complain about how the economy crashed in your country but everything is so much better now um because they welcome me with open arms and i don't even notice that they're turning away these other people uh you know there's a complete double standard in the immigration system and now oh. it's happening with in canada with uh, well, well. this ukrainian shit and they allowed a million ukrainians into canada they gave them fast track citizenship right practically no vetting they have no idea how many nazis they've just allowed in the country like full nazis oh, yeah. not even like the venezuelans who are kind of like extremist conservatives a lot of them <laughs> well <laughs> but, and, and also yeah i'm sorry miss lucy go ahead no go ahead yeah well i i i understand like um so i'm gonna try to answer i'm gonna try to speak on this so i'm not hating on uh immigrants who are who are coming here actually i don't blame them for doing it it's the politicians and the and the government who's allowing to do that uh and they're just capitalizing on the taking advantage of it but i don't what i don't want to hear is well five years later i got two businesses and two homes and what have you done well gee i, I and 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 i got a and but you got a leg up on everybody and so i don't want to hear it because if you, you know, a lot, I, I hear it a lot through out there on YouTube and stuff. Well, I made it. Why can't you make it? May I say something? May I say something, please? May I, may I, may I jump in? Because I asked Abby. Uh, yes, sorry. Hi. I asked Abby if I could jump in because I'm Latino. And mm -hmm. uh, respectfully, I have to disagree with a lot of things that, uh, that have been said here because... I think that there's a lot of misconceptions and uh, false information that like people are perceiving around this. So let me just start with the Venezuelans. Uh, you know, there have been Venezuelan migration. The Venezuelan migration has started since like, I don't know, like early 2000s. And Venezuela, as many of Latin America, the inequality is really high. So uh, the rich people who left Venezuela, they left like 15 years ago. And they bought properties in Miami. They bought properties in Spain, Madrid. There are, are articles, like just Google articles of like the rich Venezuelans just left. And they're just buying, uh, you know, properties everywhere. They don't need TPS. They don't need any type of government handouts. The poor Venezuelans, on the other hand, are the ones who are migrating recently. And those are people who are, um, let's just say, uh, also, like, you have to take into account the racial dynamics in Latin America. A lot of, like, uh, rich Venezuelans are, like, directly European descent. Uh, or, like, the Cubans that Lucy is uh, alluding to that she's friends with. They're also, like, the, the white people of, like, Cuban, like, the white people. Okay, uh, and then the people who are the poor Venezuelans are, like, the black, black Venezuelans, mixed Venezuelans, indigenous Venezuelans. You know, they're coming here and this, and this is, this is a false assumption assuming that as soon as they cross the border, they already know about American politics. They are very well, very well versed in English. They know about Trump. They know about Biden. They know about, a lot about Black Lives Matter. Like these people are starving. They're, they're coming because they want to find a job and eat. They couldn't care less about politics of the U.S. So like, okay, oh. let, let me continue. Let me continue because I have sorry, sorry. more points. Then the other thing is like, you're assuming like TP, uh, the, the TPS thing. 
it's just a temporary permit to be in the U.S., and it doesn't even grant you a work permit. You have to process that aside, and it takes more than six months to get it. Okay, no, I'm sorry. The TPS? No, 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 Lucy, Lucy, I'm talking. Lucy, I'm talking, please. You talked for a long time. Let me talk. You're assuming that people are getting apartments, that they're getting, like, food, they're getting all the kind of stuff. That is false. That is false. Like, this is a right-wing talking point. This is a right-wing right wing talking point. And right now, you are, like, this type of conversation is pitting minorities against each other, and you're leaving the white people, like, outside. You're leaving out the, all these Cubans, Republican Cubans that Lucy is talking, that she's friends with, you know, like, uh, bashing the immigrants. So that no, this, no. Like, the TPS like, Mr. is not Mr. something Edo. that all immigrants get. That's not true. There are people that have been here for years, for over 20 years, that do not have TPS. So it's not true that everyone gets it. Haitians, Haitians, Haitians Nicaraguan, Salvador, look at the stats right now. It's there are over true. 30 countries no. who are eligible under TPS. They, yes, you're but talking they don't about, get it that easily. No, they do not get it. Let's, let, look it up right now. Look it up right now and share the, and share the stats. It's Salvadorians is the largest I'm minority. No, no, no. Look it up. Look it up. I looked at it I yesterday. Yeah, I'm watching. I'm watching YouTube. I've seen it. Processed here, the Venezuelans have faster access to TPS to fast track citizenship than a lot of people from other countries. This is not like even a debate. So did the Cubans at, at the time. This is not a debate. Absolutely, like Nicaraguans, Salvadorians, <laughs> uh, they're all eligible. But a TPS doesn't mean that you're getting government handouts. That's bullshit. The problem is like if the, a lot of minorities, if they if they get government handouts. The, that could be an issue at the time that they want to get the green card. Look at that. Like, it's an issue right now as a minority. Like, if you're under those type of, like, uh, work permits or, like, uh, you know, uh, legal status, you cannot apply for government handouts. That will, uh, that will cause you problems when you apply for the green card. That's, um, that's a misconception people are having. And, like, right now, you're, you're pitting, you're pitting, you're pitting minorities against each other. Like, this is the problem. Mr. Edo, something, It's the fact that they ha get housed for a few months when we have homeless people here. Wait, 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 don't I don't know. I don't know of any Venezuelan who is like, in a house in a government house. Please tell me in where they are. Please let them. Like I'm in D.C. I am. I go to New York often. I see Venezuelans in the Bronx, like outside. Most of them don't even want. Okay. Okay. So I, I actually have a stake in this because. Um, I waited about a year and a half to get a decision if my fiance can come over here from Ethiopia. They finally approved it. I had to go through the process the right way. And now I have to go through another step. And so I say that to say this. We cannot deny what's being recorded on YouTube. And we cannot deny a bunch of frustrated um, black citizens and in New York and Chicago, because they're the ones who are being affected in those communities. So they're just making it up. So I'm better, I'm always, they, I, I have make, seen on the news, I've seen it was uh, black residents of Chicago that were yeah, complaining about it. Yeah, because a lot of them, they said some of them were, um, I don't know their nationality. I'm just saying, a lot of them are coming through. Even Chinese folks are coming through the border. A lot of people are coming through the border. And so now they're complaining that there's, you know, people are doing 
prostitution out there. Okay, so are we making that up? Oh, well, I don't want that looking. I will, I will send you the clip. Are we making that up? Because black folks, we get blamed for every damn thing, and I think you are making it personal about yourself. We are just stating what's obvious, wherever it's right or wrong. We're, we're playing. We're kind of like, dude, this is this is wrong. I'm not blaming the people running over the border because they're doing what they're. That's what they're going to do. I'm blaming the politicians, the government, who is allowing this to do this for nefarious reasons, and they think they have their best interests at heart. And meanwhile, they have a different culture than I have a different culture. And depending on their behavior, they're not going to connect. They're not going to uh, have that black and brown relationship. So, if I am I making that up? Well, I don't. Because, I, I don't want to speak about like specific events because it's probably that's true what you're saying. You know, like obviously, like uh, you know, they, you could focus on the on the ones who are part of gangs, ones who are rapers, whatever. That's like what, like five five about a hundred people. Or is it like 85 out of 100? I don't yeah. like, well, you know, but the, well, the, well, I just well, want to clarify one more point of another program that the, that the U.S. approved this year. It's a mm -hmm. called a humanitarian parole program. And that's that's available for Haitians, Cubans, Nicaraguans. And uh, what's the other nationality? There was an, a fourth nationality. So I, can't, I, can't, I can't remember. Cubans, Venezuelans, Haitians. Yeah. And uh, Nicaraguans. So four. And then they were gonna add like a another country, but that that that's like a uh, that's sort of a way to ease the type of migration that happens through the land border, and instead it allows like uh, uh, someone who can become a sponsor of an immigrant to come to the U.S. and then that person is sort of responsible for the financial support of that individual for the next two years. And then once they're here, they have to process a work permit, but they're not eligible for any type of government handout. So like this, there's, so the, a lot of Venezuelans have been coming through that program. It's called humanitarian parole. Look it up. And, and then the, the US government makes available 30,000 slots a month. And, but again, like they have to have a, someone in the US who is a, a resident alien, legal resident alien, uh, Biden uh, just signed the, with the stroke of the, the paperwork to sponsor that. But well, that's just, okay. Well, Biden just signed just with a stroke of a pen, legalizing four hundred seventy-two thousand people who just ran across the border. And Miss Sabrina, I'm not sure if you heard about the story. Um, it was a legal person who um, he was supposed to be, I guess, babysitting one of the his friends or something, and he ended up murdering the child and um, stuffing her underneath the bed or something like that. And he tried to blame it on the black person did it. You see, you see what I'm saying? So, I mean, come on, man, let's Jack Jacoby. Um, yeah. I, have you ever seen a movie called mate one? Has anybody here seen a movie called mate one? I want to just ask because this no, pertains directly mate, to what he do with mate or what, mate, what was that? Yeah. Mate one, M A T E W A N. It's a movie by John sales. And it's about the coal miners in West Virginia and uh, how the coal barons tried to uh, break the uh, union that the coal miners were trying to form uh, to uh, fight for their own, you know, human rights. 
And this is like based upon true stories about what those coal miners did and what they would do when the white people in the neighborhood or in the, in the you know surrounding community joined together and said, look, we need to fight for our rights. The first thing they did to break the union was they brought in black people from down south to work for less and to, to break the union. But what happened was they formed they formed a coalition. And they began, and so they, they had to overcome their, you know, racism because they had to realize, look, we're all on the same side. They're bringing those people in. And James Earl, James Earl Jones was in it. It's a great movie. Uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, David Strathairn was in it. Um, uh, Chris Cooper. It's a John Sayles movie called Mate Wan. And it basically documents exactly the tactics that were used by the, by the owners, the coal barons, to break the union. They brought black people in first to undercut the union. But then after fighting with each other, people realized, look, we're on the same side. If we form a coalition, we will be much stronger together. We could fight the coal barons. None of us work. We all strike together. That's what happened. They fought it first. They overcame their, their uh, racial divisions or cultural divisions, and they came together and they formed a union. Then the, the, the coal barons were not done. So the, first, the next thing they did is they brought in Italian immigrants and said, okay, there's a, there's a language barrier here. They're not going to be able to form a coalition. And they brought them in to undermine the union. And that worked for a little while, too. Until, and people fought each other. And then they realized, look, we've got to come together. We have the same enemy again. And so the Italian immigrants joined with, uh, and you had one guy called Chris Kenahan, who was played by Chris Cooper, who came in and he was the organizer, the mysterious organizer from out of town who came in and said, he was a social, he was a communist. And he said, we all need to band together to fight the the owner. We all are Mm -hmm. the same. We may have little differences, but we are the same. We have the same interests. And so the Italians joined in with the black people and with the, you know, they were mostly Irish like people in, in West Virginia and they formed a coalition and they fought and they won. Now, the first thing that happened was because the owners became desperate at that time, they brought in like the, uh, the Pinkertons, right? To, 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 to crush the, uh, the, the, the strikers, the, who had formed a union. You see, this is the whole thing. The owners in this country, the corporate barons who are destabilizing these countries in Central and South America, okay, because people want freedom. They want self-determination. They will elect socialists to government. And what will happen? The corporations get pissed off. Like uh, John Perkins, like uh, 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 Confessions of an Economic Hitman. This is what they do all over the hemisphere and what they've done since the late 18th century, right? Late 19th century. This is what they do. The reason why they keep the borders open, and Bernie Sanders used to talk about this back when he had integrity. Um, He used to talk about, well, they're keeping the borders open, uh, both parties basically, because the Chamber of Commerce wants to complete and total. Look, they look at it as a win-win. They destabilize governments in Central and South America, overthrow governments, create narco uh, terrorist states. Uh, everything's destabilized. People are being exploited. They or, or they do sanctions. Years. 
People yeah. come in here. Sanctions they, is they, war. they do them both. It's, they do the same thing. They do it all at the same time. They know that people are going to flee their own countries and come to, to, to America for a better life. And they, and they pretend they care about the open border. The Democrats take one side of the issue. It's Tweedledum and Tweedledee. Neither one of them wants to solve the problem, which is American U.S. foreign policy. And they keep right. destabilizing these governments. They keep the border open. They keep using the influx of cheap labor to undermine living standards and working standards in the United States, and they pit the workers against each other. None of this has changed unless we all band together and realize that we all are together. I, I think that every – I don't care about a border being open. I, I think it's a good thing. That's fine. Unionize every single laborer who comes across that border as soon as they get into the United States. Well, well Mr. Dane, may I say something on that? Um, Go ahead. It sounds good, uh, but in the words so of Doctor John, you know, in the words of Doctor John Henry Clark, we have no friends, and that's why we ha things have not changed because we get comfortable. We we get these movements going, and then we get comfortable. We let they them fight. Movements going. They and pit get us comfortable. against each other, Jacoby. They pit but, us against each other. Uh, okay, so but let me ask you a question. Where do you? What state do you live at? Maine. Maine is. Um, I'm originally from it, New York. From, from New York. Island. Okay. So, okay. So from let's go. Let's talk about New York. Where can a black person go to? They're not supposed to go to in a, in a Latino area. Well, what do you mean? I mean we like, all have the same areas. We all overlap. Hold, 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 hold on. The reason why I say that is, for example, California. A black person can't go in certain parts of the neighborhood in California because it's a well, Latino York area or like whatever. That. If you're black okay, and yeah. you walk into an Italian neighborhood, you're going to get lynched a lot of okay. time. You've got okay. Spanish Harlem. You've got okay. Uptown. We've got, got Harlem uh -huh. Uptown. You've got, you've got all the kinds of Irish and oh, Italian. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so so yes. where's, where's let, me, let me bring it back. Where is that black or brown coalition? You see my We're point? We're all balkanized. That is definitely true. Yeah. But so we overcome we, that. That's my point. Yeah. Make but sure it's, I get it's, to it's some of the great. other people because okay. I'm yeah. going to have to wrap up soon. So I want to make sure I get to some of the other people. Yeah. I'm sorry, Miss Sabrina. Okay. No um, um, I'll, I'll leave it like this. So the reason why I say that is a, a lot of folks know what black is. Suspect allegedly blamed two black men as a key evidence led to an arrest, strangulation of a murder, sexual assault of 11 year old. This dude uh, is his Juan Carlos Garcia Rodriguez. He, he murdered this beautiful girl. So anybody telling me who don't know what they, they don't know what black is. Oh, they know. Well, they know very much well. And so that's why sometimes you have to you have to you have to fill people out. You have to see where they're at. You have to see where the mindset. Nobody's at. more demonized in this country and and characterized as being a criminal underclass than black folks. So we need that to get past true. that. Yeah, we need uh, to get yeah. past that. I will get past it when they start cutting the check. So I'll let my plan. Well, the only way we get the check cut <laughs> is if we organize. Well said. Well said. Yeah. Okay, let me bring in. Um, Thank you so much. Let me bring in Demetriana, and then we'll go to Case Study QB is in the house. What's up, Demetriana? Hi, can you hear me? Oh, I can hear you. Great. Okay. Um, for the sake of time, I'll try to keep my question a bit quick. But um, I, I'm not an activist. I'm not super politically involved. Um, I just am sick and tired of this capitalist system, and I've become more 
open to socialism and the things within it. And I think a lot of people in our country have become tired of this system, but we're scared of the word socialism because of the propaganda that we've heard for generations. And I've been watching your videos for a little over a year now, um, that NRBN, and I found you guys through Jimmy Dore and all of that. And so at first I was very resistant to you guys talking negatively about capitalism, but over time I become more receptive. And I'm just wondering, and anybody can chime in, um, when it comes to talking to people that you know, whether friends or family, that they know that they're tired of how things are going in this country, especially since the pandemic. But whenever they hear the word socialism as a possible alternative, they think of, you know, evil totalitarianism and all these other things. I'm just wondering how you guys have talked to people you know about socialism, the things that are involved with it. And have you seen them maybe come around because of things they've been seeing going on? Um, that's basically my question. Sure. Um, I'll, I'll start. Um, so what I found is that the best way to explain socialism to people is to explain it as workers owning the means of production, which is what socialism means. I found that if I try to explain it to people the way that Bernie Sanders did, people get really reluctant, right? They're like, I don't want the government to control everything. Or people will say, um, I like my job. I like working. Some people assume that socialism means that you're not working. That's not what socialism means. So that's how I could tell that like people were just really uninformed about socialism, so to speak. So I learned along the way through practice and trial and error not to pitch it to people the way that Bernie did because the first thing that people would hear is the government is controlling everything when what people should really hear is workers owning the means of production so I would explain it to people that way and some people have changed their opinion about that because of the way that I've explained like what it really is. Not everybody, but some people have come around to it. Um, and I'll open it up to the panel here as well. Yeah, anyone else? We're, uh, yes, so yes. Um, workers uh, shared ownership of the means of production and distribution uh, cooperatively among workers or the community, or workers and the community. Government has nothing to do with it. A social program, that's something else. That That's something that has to do with the government offering something. But as far as socialism is concerned, it's shared ownership of the means of production, a.k.a. manufacturing and distribution, a.k.a. supply chains, resources and exchange by the workers, by the community. In the form of a working co-op. Okay, that makes sense. Anyone else want to jump in? Um, we'll bring in Case Study QB. Case. Hey. What's up, Case? What's going on, family? What's going on, everybody? Much love to you. Much love to, much love to the chat. I still got a lot of catching up to do. I still got to finish um, your episode. But I'm really... I, I sent um, the video of 
the person running on what's her name claudia that that you interviewed today Claudia. yeah i sent the, her uh, the interview she did with um brie to my dad and he was like wow i didn't know somebody else was running and she sounds really good so i'm glad you interviewed her as well i, w- I would love to see like her debate you know carnell west debate whoever the libertarian party person is going to be whether it's rfk jr or who else and forget the democrats and the republicans like let's have our own debates let's we we can have several um of the people i would love to see joe rogan you know he got a big audience conduct the debate or different uh podcasts just conduct these type of debates and and that we can be able to fill a vacuum uh, where the Democrat right now, the primaries, they're they're not debating. And that's why whenever the Republicans have a debate, you see it all over the place because no one else is debating. So I think that uh, they can fill a void. And I, I don't know if you saw the interview that Cornell West did tonight, but he, one of the things that I clipped it and I put it up um, when I saw it, one of the things that he said is, that is unpredictable. We live in unpredictable times right now. You don't know what can happen with Joe Biden's candidacy. You know, one thing that he didn't mention that, you know, knock on wood, they said he didn't say um, Joe Biden might die. You know, at some point he might die. So his candidacy would be even more relevant if uh, Joe Biden passed away, that he was trying to make the argument that he could win. He could honestly win the presidency. And I think in these days with Donald um, Trump winning, you never know what can happen. We never know what can just pop up, what kind of anomaly can happen. Let's say Joe Rogan seriously does say, you know what, I'm going to conduct a debate, and then that catches fire. You just, We just never know uh, what can be going on. So um, what, what do you guys think about that? I think you've got a voice for a radio DJ. Case, okay. have you ever thought about that? Is that a compliment or are you dissing me? No, I seriously, Case, have you ever thought about doing radio? Yeah. Um, no, I never thought about it. Hey, yo, this is Case Study QB coming to you from 9587 <laughs> FM. Yo, Maybe. we got the greatest hits right here. We got, uh, I don't know who the latest rappers are nowadays. We got, you know, blah, blah, blah coming up. Yeah. And on the ones and twos, we got blah, blah, blah over here. Studies QB signing out. Signing out. Maybe that's my New York accent and have you guys feel that way. But um what you guys think about a, a debate amongst the third parties? I heard they used to like not do it because they were hoping to get on the main stage, but I think they need to throw that aside. I know a kid from Heartlands Media says that that he tried to conduct a debate between the libertarians and the greens before and they didn't want to do it because they were just hoping that the Democrats and Republicans would let them into the big boys club. But they uh-huh. got to throw that aside so, and create so their own. Davi, Go ahead. So Davi, who is also running the Green Party, reached out to me. We talked on the um, on Gosh. Zoom the other day about the same thing. Mm. And he wants to do this. Love so it. I told him I'll hook up a date with him when I get back from D.C. Mm-hmm. And we can see what goes from there. He's already talked to people in the Green Party about it. Great idea. And yep. I think if I reach out to Larry, because Larry Sharp is pretty cool. If I reach yeah. out to Larry, Larry can probably get the Libertarian people on board 
and then um, I can contact the independent candidates as well. And I, I think we can make it happen. Savvy in case, this is the whole reason why they want to censor social media. They don't want mm-hmm. us organizing through social media. They yep. do not want us talking to each other. You're absolutely right. And and that's one of the things I love about calling. I love about um, the, me- in the internet period is that we find other people who are like-minded. Sometimes you, you think you're all by yourself, but no, there are other people that feel the same way. They realize how much they've got in common. Thank God. The last thing I'm gonna say. Go ahead, brother. Nah, I was just making a jump. Thank God Al Gore created the internet. (laughs) That was the thing in the nineties. If in case anyone's too young to to remember that. Yeah, I remember that. (laughs) The last the last thing I'm gonna say before I pass the mic back to uh, Sabrina is you know, I I listened to Democracy Now this morning and I heard Ralph Nader was on there and I think he and I have to clip this. I think he was saying like that article that quoted him kind of took the connotation yep. out of context. Okay. Yeah, you know I someone someone emailed that to me or okay. someone someone replied to my Substack post and it mm-hmm. came via email and I re- responded and I was like, "Okay, that's good to know." So I'll be addressing that on Sunday. Yeah, okay, I heard cool. I heard about that. He's saying that that's not what he said. So this is yeah, this is cool. crazy. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I'm going to try to clip it and maybe when I clip it I'll, I'll DM it to you uh Saps. But um the the there the same way we say we never, you know, look up to these guys too much or, or like make them heroes too much because even as much as I have respect for Ralph Nader for what he's done with the seatbelts and all that stuff, he does have some bad takes though. You know, he does have some bad takes. I remember clip um, looking on MSNBC and I came across a clip. This was years ago. Um, and he was advocating for billionaires to save us. I think he wrote a book on it. Like, and it was a non, it was a fictional book. Um, where he was like fantasizing about billionaires coming in and saving us. And I, I, I understand that he's probably just throwing out strategy or something, but billionaires are not going to save us. And then he, he, in that clip, he was on MSNBC. He was advocating for mayor um, Bloomberg to run for president. And this is way before Michael Bloomberg actually ran. This was maybe back in, let's just say like 2017 or something like that. 2016. And I was like, wow, this did not age well. <laughs> yeah, he, he wrote that book in 2009. Uh, only, it's only the super rich can save us. That, so, yeah, there he's had go. some bad takes before. Absolutely. Yeah. Much love to you guys, my family. Go ahead, Sabrina. Pass the mic. What I was going to say is that in terms of the third-party candidates, more so than a debate, I would pref- prefer to see a forum because I think these debate formats really put a straitjacket on and people really don't get to hear the exchange of ideas. I think if there was a forum so that we could get to understand everybody who's running outside of the duopoly and just give them that opportunity to make presentations, articulate their platforms so we could see who's all out there and who's offering what, so to speak, rather than the debate format that pits people against each other based on certain points. Because I think coming out of this, we need to be prepared to try and coalesce and build those coalitions, you know, through these third-party movements. Bring him to 
together what Noel and Sabrina said um, earlier. So, Sabrina, you were saying that when you were growing up, it was a different type of debate. Well, then, if you want that and we want the forum, then we have to get the parties out and bring the League of Women Voters back in. Um, and it would probably, it would most likely be better to put these things on like PBS or something like that. Because the reason why it's like, oh, I got to get a zinger in is because the advertising, because the advertising is paying for all of this stuff when really it should be like, you know, public access television, or, you know, so something like that. I mean, I, I know that PBS is not what it used to be because, you know, some corporation got involved or whatever the case is. But if it's something that is, you know, um, where you don't have like, a, it should be government funded. It shouldn't be like, because it's, it's the public. It deals with the public interest. So we should not be having, you know, Pfizer, uh, Bank of America, you know, whoever um, paying for these things. You know, that's that's how you so that's how you get the timing thing and you get this much amount of time to answer. And we can never talk about things from a substantive educational policy matter. It has to be like, oh, look at that. He went upside his head. Oh, look at that guy. He, he kicked him. You know what I'm saying? And he went to the ropes and body slammed him and all that different type of stuff. So that that has to. Um, so, like I said, you got to bring back the League of Women Voters. Put it on public media, public access media, and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, Wayne, what you was? I just oh my bad. Go ahead, sorry. I just want to make sure Ashura has a chance to go because I realized Ashura didn't really get a. Go ahead, Ashura. Just gotta unmute. Oh, I'm good. I'm just listening. Uh, did you see the Jimmy Dore UN video? No, I did not. Yeah, I was surprised. I thought it was like some kind of a spoof, like a turn caught down video. <laughs> it turns out it was real. And um, I, I, I mean, that that's the first time that, that somebody's actually hearing what the fuck happened in 2014 when it comes to the Ukraine war. The fact that Jimmy Dore even brought up is the biggest eco-terrorist that has ever happened, and everybody knows. He basically named Joe Biden in that thing, so... That to me was surprising. And when it comes to the Nazi thing, Joe uh, Justin Trudeau is blaming Russia. It's like he's been doing this like every time he goes on camera. He says it's Russia information. It, it's a Russian disinformation. That's what he says. He says it's the Russian. Like, what? How, how the fuck is the Russians have anything to do with a a ninety year old Nazi? He's following the script, sure. Live from the United States. He's been in there since World War Two. Like, how is it? Russian disinformation, like you brought them in, like a bunch of Europe basically took these guys in. It's about two people say this around two thousand or thousand million Nazis came to live from Ukraine, came to live in Can in Canada. Canadians opened the door for them, and all of a sudden they're surprised that uh, oh, this guy's a Nazi, and all of them have egg on their faces as they told the parliamentarian to leave. But I'm like, why don't you all leave? You clap like seals. <laughs> Zelensky's another fucking Nazi. Then you got another one, an old guy, and you all want to blame one dude. You know, you all were doing the same shit. And there's there's also a clip out there. There's some some woman from the uh, from the Trudeau government. They were asking her questions about uh, the Nazis. About and you could tell that she was really nervous. She was doing like hand gestures where her hands were like sweaty and shit because she's Ukrainian. 
and she's like worried that maybe her grandfather also might be Nazi. Yeah, I I, I heard about that. Um, you played it. I didn't see. I didn't see the Jimmy. I actually, I thought I played that um, yeah, tonight. You, know, you played it tonight. He's like, look at her hands. Look at her hands, y'all. Look at yeah, her hands. I'm like, yo, look, why is she worried? Like, oh yeah, she probably knows her grandfather's Nazi. Yeah, like I didn't. Um, I didn't see the Jimmy UN thing. because yeah, um, it's funny because Kit had a thumbnail where it's Putin on the phone. He's like, yo. We're calling. We 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 we, we, we want to talk. There's some old Soviet dudes, the Russian Soviet dudes, that want to talk with you. Come on, we're asking you to basically what's the word they use? Uh, repatriate this guy. Sabi, uh, Jimmy mentioned the uh, Nord Stream pipeline and said it was the worst act of eco terrorism in the history of humanity, basically. And he he cited Cy Hirsch. Uh, he read a statement basically at the UN. Whoever got Jimmy in must, uh, they must get you next, next time, Sabrina. Did we get some Russian money or something? Apparently, the Russians got Jimmy in there. Rubles. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Sure, you're in Canada. How do you feel about all this? Uh, disgusted. I'm not disappointed. I mean, I knew uh, Justin was walking around blackface with a turban on his head. I I remember that. Yeah, and the, the 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 MPs they roasted him. They brought that stuff up, but I'm like, you guys are no better. Plus my plus these motherfuckers just said uh, Zelensky <laughs> another fucking million dollars, six hundred fifty million dollars of my fucking taxpayer dollars going to fuck fund Nazis, and they're surprised that there are Nazis living in in Canada. I'm like, you were basically giving money to Nazis. Why are you surprised you got Nazis living in Canada? Yeah. I, I mean, that's 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 a really good point. I don't know if you ever... Uh, one last thing. I don't know if you ever saw this clip. I don't remember if it was in the U.S. this was showing or if it was, it was in uh, the... in U.K. In the U.K., but there was a there was a uh, Ukrainian woman that had kids. She was living in somebody else's house, and they wanted to do a follow up with this woman. Next thing you know, the woman is gone. When they asked her why did she why did the person occupant left, she said that the reason she left is because her kids were in the school that had a lot of non-white kids, and she wasn't very comfortable with the kids. In a school like that, so she bailed. It happens. Those those things do happen. Yeah, yeah. And they'll say there's no Ukraine. They'll say Ukrainians are not racist. But you bailed the moment you find out you got black kids, black and brown kids, or Asian kids in the school that's not predominantly white, and you bailed. I mean, they should all they should all resign for doing the propaganda about the truckers, the Canadian truckers thing, saying, "Oh, we found a Nazi flag on one of the tr- on one of the thousands of truckers, so all of them are Nazis." Well, people were saying that was an op. Yeah, Yesterday it was an op. So today, I was talking for you know our regular friend, the guy who had the who had the Ramadan situation. 
Uh, he asked me about Cornell West. How's he doing? I'm like, he's doing fine. What about you? What's the question? Because he always he always asks me what's going on. That's how you know he's going to talk about politics. So he brings up Cornell West. He says um, Cornell West is not going to win. It's like nobody said he. We, we didn't. I, I don't think he's going to win. I mean, he's trying to build a movement. He says, but he's stealing votes from Biden. I'm like, where are you getting this talking point? Where the fuck did you get this one? Like he's stealing votes from Biden. I'm like, you don't steal a vote from somebody if you convince somebody. Oh, is this the guy that was hungry last time? Yeah, yeah, same guy. He he he, he, he was on. Um, huh? Give him a sandwich next time. Uh, uh, he always had food with him, so he was on two months vacation, and he comes back. Then he brings up how Joe Biden is better than Trump. I'm like, okay, fuck. I'm like, then he brings up Cornell West, and the this question goes with Cornell West because he says to me that somebody told him that they were watching a video that the NAACP said to Cornell West to lay off the smackdown on Democrats. What? Yeah, I was like, where did you get that shit? Well, he said a friend was watching this. I'm like, what channel? Well, he told me this. I'm like, come on, man. Are you sure? Are you sure your friend, you done making this shit up? He was talking shit about Joe Biden at the the UAW strike. um, Apparently, the NAACP said him to lay lay off too much hit on Joe Biden. Don't suplex him. The NAACP, they're fucking corporate. They're exactly. nothing like what they used to be back in the day. Terrible. Oh, that that reminds me. Um, what you Dwayne, what you was what you were saying before oh, what you were saying before about um uh oh yeah, yeah, like how we were gathering um and huddling online and stuff and, and they don't mm-hmm. like it. They so, don't like it. So so here's the thing, right? Um T V is dying. Um Network TV is dying. They mm-hmm. they starting to cater to um, most of their, most of their programming is centered around um, you know those bef- those born before 1965. Okay, you take a look at the programming because it's like there might be like half of Generation X still watching or whatever the case is, but mm-hmm. they have no audience for those who are under fifty, especially True. those who are under thirty. They have they oh. have no audience, so they can try to try to do censoring of the of the of the YouTubes and the and the Twitters and all that different type of stuff. Yeah, but I they're they're losing. They're, they're, no, they're, they're losing. losing. The cat's out of the uh, yeah bag. The toothpaste out of the tube. They're not going to get that under control. And and we might be saving money by not having to buy big TVs anymore. Of course. <laughs> Unless you're gonna buy it to play PlayStation or something like that, but the um, the it's only the cable companies that are propping these guys up. So mm-hmm. if you take a look at it, now I tried to now I don't know. Does anyone else have this problem? I got rid of my cable and I had to come back because some of the apps wouldn't work because I didn't have my uh, cable TV service account. Just Everybody's like, getting rid of their cable. Right, but what I'm saying is, I went to go do something on ABC, and it was just like, oh no! Pretty much, you were saying I need to get a cable TV service account. Okay, you don't have those new those new antennas to basically watch free broadcasts, but you have to buy this specific antenna. Right, but let's say, all right, so let's say if it's not ABC, let's say if it was, uh, what was the other one? TV One. 
gotta watch something on TV one. Couldn't watch it because I didn't have cable TV service. I was like, well, wait a minute. I got internet from that same company and it wasn't good enough. I had to have cable TV service. So I don't know. Maybe I need to get a Roku or something. A Roku. Get a Roku. Get a Roku? Oh, yeah. Maybe I'll do that. Do that. Roku is really cheap too, um, um, Roger. Just FYI. Say it again. I think kind of what happened is is it used to be everything was was tied into the cable into the into your cable TV service, and you used to have to have that really to get to get almost anything. Like, and now what's happened is is just more and more they're like they're breaking out of that. That's so true. Like, so like you used to have to have ca- like cable to get AMC Plus, and now now you can just go on the site and get it separately, and kind of everything's kind of going that way. Get us so through an app. It, it is getting to be less and less of a thing but, that no, you, but that's you need that, that Xfinity account, but it'll still, it might still be there for some things. Yeah, I have YouTube. I was just going to say, I have YouTube TV, Roger. Yeah, um, I did. I had that too, and I stopped doing, I stopped, I, I canceled the YouTube subscription once because I didn't want to support um, YouTube the way I used to ever since you guys started getting censored and you can't say this and I can't say that and you know I had YouTube TV up until the ad apocalypse in 2017 so I'm like well I'm not gonna I'm gonna throw as little money toward YouTube as possible if, the, if these guys are censoring you guys you, you see what I'm saying so uh, I, Wait, yeah, I mean, have tonight YouTube I got like tonight I got a rumble rant for the first time. Unfortunately, people don't make any money on Rumble. Mm. I don't know mm. if people realize this, but like go look at do you guys follow Indy Left on um yeah. Substack? Go read the article that Indy Left just put out a few days ago about Rumble. Because Indy did like his research. People are not making any money on Rumble. Like just FYI guys, like I stream on Rumble all the time and I upload my clips also to Rumble. I haven't made $1 from Rumble. Just FYI. Any idea why that is? You feel like if you guys read Indy's article and I, I talked to Indy about this as well. If you read Indy's article, he already did the freaking study himself. The views on Rumble are not fucking real. And like, what? No, uh, listen, listen. What's the point of pagan? No, listen, check this out. Listen to what I'm saying. Kim, and what really like caught me onto this, Kim Iverson put out a tweet recently. Somebody like tried to call her out about like her funding, right? They're like, Kim who's paying you that kind of thing and kim said i've always been transparent about where my money comes from which is true she is and in the tweet kim said that you know she has a rumble exclusive contract most people on rumble don't like i don't have a contract it's just fyi but kim said that after she pays so I guess if you have a rumble contract, you're supposed to have a studio, right? 
this virtual studio that you set up that costs money then you have to have a producer and i have eric but i think with rumble it has to be like this extravagant thing so you have to like have this producer do like the studio stuff for you and i guess like the systems engineer kim explained all this in the tweet then kim said in the tweet she said i don't make i haven't been able to make money on rumble i'm hoping one day it will get to that point where she's making the money is local. So I guess the people with Rumble that got the locals community, because that's why I told you guys I didn't want to do call-ins on local because on locals, you have to pay for it. You guys would have to pay just to call in or just to listen, which I think is bullshit. So I was like, fuck that, no. So the thing is, when I saw that tweet from Kim, that was very telling to me, I'm like, Kim gets hundreds of thousands of views on her videos on Rumble. And what in Indy did some research and Indy found out, he said, nobody is watching these channels. What? He said the views, I'm telling you, Indy did this. And Lucy, if you know, feel free to chime in. Indy told me he did the research himself. And he said, if you actually go onto Rumble, to watch these shows when they're live, he said the views are not correct. Because think about it, guys. If I have 2,000 people follow me on Rumble, how is it that every live stream, 2,000 people are watching every live stream? That's not realistic. You mean you're not getting 200K plus people joining you at the same time? No, what I'm saying is I have two, I think it's 2.1K followers on Rumble. Mm -hmm. There's no way that every live stream I do is getting 2,000 views on Rumble. That doesn't make any sense. And you can ask Eric because Eric looks at both all platforms. And so tonight was the first night we got a Rumble rant. And I'm going to tell you. There's no way that 2,000 people are watching me when I'm live on Rumble. That's There's no fucking way. Most of the people are watching me on YouTube. So something isn't right. And when I saw that tweet from Kim, I was like, holy shit. So Kim is basically telling people she's not making money on Rumble. Because even though she has, and by the way, she has a contract. I have no contract. But she has a contract but she has to pay for that studio and she has to pay for the producer, which is required by Rumble. And she said she's not able to actually pocket any money from Rumble, but she's hoping that one day that she will. So what does that tell you guys? So what's the point about the calling her out then? Calling her out? Yeah. You said that someone said uh, we tried to call oh. That was a troll, man. Uh, okay, okay. I was yeah, like, okay, was because like, that, make, that makes no sense now. So, yeah, how and, much, uh, so how much do you get from a $2 rock fan? Oh, hello? Rock fan is different oh. because it's crypto. Okay. Rock fan is different. Like, rock fan, it, it's, it, I can't even explain it, but like, I don't even know what I get from that $2. All I know is that when I go into Coinbase, it shows me how much I made and 
I just, a lot of times I leave it there because with crypto, it accumulates on its own. So that's kind of, I kind of leave it there. But Rumble is not crypto. And I've been on Rumble for quite a while, like almost a year. And I'm trying to tell you guys, I've never made any money on Rumble. Not one fucking dollar. So if I have 2,000 people watching every stream, I would have made at least a fucking dollar. I haven't made anything. That's what I'm telling you guys. That shit is not real. I think Glenn Greenwald just did a piece about governments trying to take Rumble down um, because of the Russell Brand thing. And basically they were saying um, Rumble is not trying to follow the censor directives from the governments. And so they're trying to take Rumble down through the sponsors or something. But yeah, doesn't that also show that they're not making money even if the government goes after them, Noel? I'm, just, I'm not clear about what the piece was, but I do remember seeing Glenn Greenwald doing a piece on it, and it had to do with rumble and censorship and governments trying to control the um, online presence. Yeah. Because right. they're trying to use that to censor who they don't want to be heard. It had to be yeah, I mean, it had to do with a UK law, a new UK law that uh, Greenwald. I watched that thing. Greenwald was talking about how the UK passed a law recently, like uh, really secretly, kind of. They they said it was like uh, not a you know, a good law that was going to really be helpful or whatever. And it's because they're really trying to crack down right now in the UK on on uh, free speech. And it's uh, related to Russell Brand. So, so Greenwald did a whole show about that UK law and how they're following like the. Um, uh, the so United it wasn't States, like uh, necessarily like a law, but it was like lawmakers writing to like a rumble and to take right to ask uh, to ask them to the platform uh, trying to intimidate them and get and them ask, to like exactly. platform and, and Russell then as, Brand. And then as they refuse, uh, now like they're having uh, private try to cut uh, the advertising deals that they had with signed with Rumble. So exactly. because the, because the UK government couldn't go after Russell Brand, now like they're trying to go after Rumble. So now Rumble is also part of the tar- of the target because they refused to the platform. Um, yeah, they wrote that letter to the UK. Is, to the I've been on Rumble for a year. And what I'm saying is I've never made any money on rumble never never that does not make any sense i make money on rockfin i make money on youtube like that that doesn't make any sense that's what i'm trying to tell you guys if 1000 or 2000 people have actually watched these streams i would have made something in reference to monetization do they do they act like the you should be seeing in income i mean i guess it would be a piece of the ad income no there's no ads like that's do they, the thing. Do like, they put listen, ads on the videos i haven't seen any ads on rumble the way the thing is the way to make money on rumble is to have a rumble contract but even with that that's what i'm trying to tell you guys that tweet that kim had kim said that she doesn't get to pocket any money from Rumble because she has to pay for the studio. 
and she has to pay for it. I think it's a virtual, virtual studio, and she has to pay for the systems engineer. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, but I think one problem is it's just it's not. It, it's a tough business model, I think, in, in general. It, it's like YouTube manages to make money, but you know, but they're <laughs> splattering ads all over the place, and they're and they got the super chats, and they're in they're huge, you know. And even with that, it, it's not it's not huge sums of money. So, but what I'm it, saying it, is, that's that my question with Rumble: is, is there may just not be that much money in there? <laughs> there's not that many people on there watching, guys. That's what Andy revealed in his article. I'm trying to tell yeah. you on Substack if you follow Indy Left. Indy will. Indy just put out that article saying there's not that many people watching. He said the way that Rumble counts views is very different from the way that YouTube counts views, because with YouTube, if there's a, a number of people watching me live, we can tell. We can see that. You can tell by the people in the chat. You can tell by everything, right? But on Rumble, you can't tell. And Indy did the test. And what Indy found is that they're counting anything as a view. If somebody just even just clicks on it, it's counted as a view. That doesn't mean they're watching it. For your for your stream tonight, it, it um, when I was looking at it, 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 I think I saw around 150 was like the live view count that it looked like was on there. And then at the moment... Tonight's stream shows one uh, one thousand two hundred and sixty views. One last thing what I'm saying show. is that's impossible. If one thousand mm. people watch my stream on Rumble and I have two thousand Rumble subscribers, I would have made something in terms of profit. I'm yes. not I don't make anything. Anything yeah. Not that many people can watch and you're not, not getting anything or making a comment or something. Yeah, I, I guess I'm just not sure how much money is there. You know, Yeah, but it's nothing, it's still, though, Eric. I mean, it would have to be something, right? It doesn't make sense. Uh, one last thing I'll say about the Russophobia that's going in Ottawa right now. Uh, the guy, well, the guy I was talking to tonight, I told him that there were Nazis who came into Canada, and he basically looked at me and I said I was crazy, as if, where am I getting my info that there are Nazis in Canada, that, that the government let them in? I said, well, it happened in World War II. A lot of countries took in Nazis. So he's like, where are you getting this? It's, on, it's online. You can Google it. Like, United States did it. Britain right. did it. Well, Operation Paperclip wasn't, con you know, confined to the United States. I mean, it was all over this, the the hemisphere. Right, but then then uh, then there was another guy the week before that. We were talking, and then he starts bringing some Russophobia bullshit that Russia wants to get back the USSR. I'm like, that's not happening anytime soon. And I told him that, well, what's it gonna? How come basically nobody talks about Canada's war crimes? He's like, Canada doesn't have any war crimes. Not, not that I know of. They've never had a war crime. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> Every fucking white country has a war crime. What makes you think oh, Canada? Look at what they did to the indigenous people there. Exactly. Well, that's not just indigenous. I had to look one up. It turns out in World War II, the Canadians were basically killing Germans who surrendered. But then you got, then you get the, uh, then you get the, uh, the uh, war on terror. The Canadians participated in Afghanistan and all the other bullshit that the United States war crimes the United States did. I'm like, is this guy not following the news? Oh, one thing I'm 
forgot to mention um, Sabrina. I know there was no way in the world that you were satisfied. Well, I know I wasn't, but was satisfied with um, the, the what's her name again? Oh, Claudia's answer to healthcare. She left a lot of gray area in there, as well as she couldn't just answer the question about Epstein. Like when you asked, will you release the files and the list or whatever? And yeah. she veered off into land the land of well, the whole system is sick and it made Epstein and blah 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 whatever whatever. Well, like, look, we just want to know: are you just going to release the the list? That that's like the simplest uh, yes or no uh, question. You know what I mean? But also, well, I would I would just say I would just say my biggest concern, like I said was the connection with People's Forum and Goldman Sachs Philanthropy Fund. Yes. And she was like, well, Sabrina, you got to get the money from somewhere. And I was like, look, I totally get that. I totally understand. I totally get it. But here's the thing. You're running for president on a platform that says you are going to dismantle the corporations. (laughs) And you're you're attached to corporate money. money from them. So it just, that's why to me, I was like, nah, this shit don't make no sense. No, it doesn't. And uh-huh. we were talking about nonprofits have to get money from somewhere. Like I gave the example, Rome's tour for the poor is not connected to any corporation. That money comes directly from the people. You guys know this. When I say, can you please donate? That money comes directly from you guys, not uh-huh. from Goldman Sachs, Philanthropy Fund or anything else. Uh-huh. But when yeah, she said Golden Sachs, forget about it. That was like a wonderful fuck when she couldn't answer the Epstein question. I'm like, why are you not answering that one? Then you got the other question Sabrina just brought in. I'm like, are you are you, are you secretly getting paid by like you know Goldman Sachs behind the scenes or some shit? No, forget it. That's like a deal breaker. I saw. I saw. I looked over to the chat for just one second. <laughs> I saw. I saw Toya. I saw Zoya come and said, well, that was just really quickly. Uh, exactly. Somebody needs to call CJ and say, oh, don't vote for her, CJ. Um, no, I did a 180-degree uh, turn. I was like, I liked her, and then I heard that. It was over. Yeah, that was a change. <laughs> been over. Guys, I, mean, yeah. at, I look at the fucking money. Where's the money? Yeah. Listen. Follow the people, money. Multiple companies have contacted myself and RBN and offered to give us sponsorships. Multiple. I had one company, uh, what was it? Uh, Converse and these people. Somehow they they know how I love Converse. I wore a Converse. Like that is my sneaker shoe. Uh. I have multiple pairs of Converse. Like that is my jam. Like I, I love me some Converse because they're comfortable and they go with everything. And so Plus, I, I live in Boston. They're from here. So it's it's cheaper to get Converse here than it is in, in a lot of other places, right? But the thing is, is like, these motherfuckers contacted me multiple times. Nike contacted me. I was like, I was like, Nike, you fucking know better. Your shoes do not fit my foot. Your shoes are for people who have narrow feet. Let's just keep it real. Your shoes don't fit me. Uh, who was the other one? Did Adidas reach out? That wasn't Adidas. Don't you? But don't you do have us? Reebok reached out. 
I thought you had a sponsor, Sabrina. There was this one you what? kept mentioning. No, there was this one one you were talking about, like some better help or some stuff like that. I forgot what it was called. If I had a sponsor, I would have to announce it every time I'm live and with every video clip. I have to announce the sponsor. Okay, because there, there was like this, there was like this better help something about um you, you shows that it shows that after every ending of your stream. Oh, that that's thing. not that's not me. Okay. If I had a sponsor, I would do like David Pakman and Jink and say, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor. Check out such and such coffee or such and such. That's how sponsorships work. I can't help which ad show like before or after my stream. Okay, okay. I thought I thought that was like your, your silent sponsor just show up. You don't need to basically say you have a sponsor. You can just no, show up. No, no, you have Get to ad say blocker. You you have to say it. Like that's how it works. You have to actually promote it and advertise it yourself. That's how they make money. Mm, but when like Jimmy said, Dore doing a one minute commercial for, for weird things. The mixer. So when Claudia said at the end about Goldman Sachs, it made all of those other answers make sense about how she answered the healthcare question. How she answered the reparations question. How she answered well, I'm not sure what Epstein would have to do with corporations, whatever. But it just it just kinda because it, it, it when she was, she talking, was talking, it seems like she like kept, kept veering off, off into, into other other, other things. things. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Edu, can you mute? Because you have an echo. Thank you. Go ahead, Roger. It kept sound you know, it kept sounding like she kept veering off into into other things, you know, and you know, talking about, yeah, yes, I'm glad you know about the system. Um, the system is corrupt, blah, 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 blah. Um, but she didn't, she didn't really talk about policy. She, what are she you talked, talking I mean, about? We went through the whole did, thing about I mean, policy. No, no, you did, you did. But, but I mean, she, I'm thinking of, uh, 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 she's talking, talking about like seizing corporations. That's kind of like more of a, action. I, I don't know. It, it was just something I, sometimes you got to watch something again or whatever, but there was just something to me that was off. The whole you know thing I mean? was focused on policy, like what she would do, like in her yeah. platform. What are you talking about, Roger? I'll watch it again. Well, Go I off. think <laughs> uh, can I say something or somebody else? Oh, go ahead, Lucy. Um, I think um. Uh, well, I, I didn't have an opinion about her one way or another. I do know that the PSL promoted lockdowns pretty heavily. So I think some people have reservations about that. Um, but I think in general, like the thing with Claudia that she says over and over again is that, you know, like she's promoting the organization and not acting as an individual. And that all sounds good. <coughs> But then it just becomes a question of, like, do you support the organization? And, I mean, I don't necessarily think PSL is bad, but I also don't really, like, see them having such a local presence or anything for me to be, like, so interested in this organization. Or any organization, really, I don't see any organization really have that much, like, local support or anything. It's... It really just seems like another organization to me. 
I don't know if that makes sense. So I, I don't like, I think she has some good ideas, but I, I guess I'm not super invested in the organization. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, and um, I mean, like, they've run candidates before. That's the other thing, too. You know, so, what really I really mean, raised... That's why, did you guys notice that one of the first things I asked her was, what's the ballot access? Right, yeah. One of the things that right. really raised and, and my you know, eyebrows like the... when, when they when they started was was that video they made. I mean, that, that video was, like, very high, highly produced. I mean, there was some big bucks to make that. It gave me like real AOC vibes. Remember the video they made of hers that was so slick and emotional and had the music and all that. And they seemed very similar and somebody sure paid for that. Very polished. Mm. Yeah. But Too to polished. be fair, you can do that video with um, a Canon, a Canon mm. camera, because Canon cameras are the best video quality. You can do that yeah, video it, with a Canon camera. It's not even camera. that though. Yeah, but I mean the whole thing, like the whole package. I don't know. I I don't think you 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 can just do that whole video with with just a guy and a camera. I mean, you got music, well, you got, got editing. Well, they got they got Goldman Sachs philanthropy fund. Yeah, there you well, go. That's what I'm saying. There's you know, it's <laughs> and very you, you well know the thing, the thing that I, I I don't understand about and AOC did the same thing. By the way, she like when she ran and you would think that some of these candidates would have smartened up a little bit, but you know how they'll give these like milk toast um, answers on reparations, which to be very honest, I think, you know, it might be okay in, in, in New York because honestly th there's such a kind of Latino majority at this point in New York, but you know, you're going on a, on a black channel and you know that you're running on a national level, not just in New York, and you are basically giving up, like, you know, taking a position that a lot of people are against. Um, and I don't understand why, uh, like, a lot of these Hispanic candidates from New York, they don't, like, you know, they're, it's like they're not learning, they're not watching any of these channels or understanding that this is, like, the number one issue for black voters like you know what i mean like you know yeah. you don't have to be black to understand that i, I don't think, think you it's have to be... and i'm not just and i'm not just just black like i'm i'm bliggity black like i'm 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 from the u.s like we are like my myself my parents like we are freedmen okay so like we didn't like immigrate here. Like ain't none of that shit. Like I'm bliggity black, bliggity black. So if you're coming on to my show and I think sometimes people see, oh, she's smiling and da da da. Yes, I do smile. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to ask you tough questions. And I think she got a little bit defensive when I was asking her about the people's forum. Listen, I didn't co-found the People's Forum. She co-founded the People's Forum. Y'all thought it was okay to have Goldman Sachs philanthropy in front of that. You're supposed to be a Marxist organization. And, and that's fine. Whatever it is, what it is. But now you are running for president. 
And you're running on a platform that says you're going to take down the corporations, but you are attached to a corporation, boo. So I don't even care. No, we never got money from Goldman Sachs. It don't matter if you got money from Goldman Sachs. You're getting money from the Goldman Sachs Philanthropy Foundation. And I don't want to hear that bullshit about, well, we are a nonprofit and the money got to come from somewhere. Do you guys, do you guys see Rome? Getting, um, do you guys no, see but, Rome getting money yeah, from no, Goldman Sachs? Like, you know how like Bernie no. Sanders got his money from the people, but then he gave it to the Democratic Party. So I don't know which one is worse at this point. But <laughs> the one thing that uh, so Claudia kind of reminds me or gave me a little vibes of like Nina Turner a little bit. And talking about 2024, like have you guys been noticing that like Nina has this special announcement next week? And, you know, like, I'm just thinking that she's going to just, like, announce with that Jank Yogurt that they're both running. Oh. She, no, no. It's no, part of the, it, it's, but, like. From what, I've, from, what but, I've heard, from what I've heard, that's mm -hmm. not the case. So what's from the announcement? What I've heard, from what I've heard, she's working on several projects. But, um, but what I, but what I will say is that I just think, like, like, for me, it's just. God damn it. I just want some real fucking people, okay? Some real motherfucking people. What, what does that take? Po politicians are not real people. That that's that's the problem. Hey, uh Sabrina, I'm how much time do you have left? I got a couple more minutes, but I got to bring in um Maria. Maria's been waiting, so give me a second for Maria and I'll come back to your share. Okay. Maria. Hey. Maria, Maria, the love in Spanish Harlem. What's up? <laughs> I, you have your own theme song, but I think I need to write a new one for not a new one, but my supplemental theme song for you, because you just did it for me. And you you complimented somebody else's dog icon earlier, so I had to change mine to my dog because she's the best one in the history of all existence. Oh. <laughs> but uh, at, at any rate, you, you all have done amazing things in the course of your time together tonight the dialogue has been amazing so it's hard to know what to touch on um but i, I did kind of want to say that uh i was i turned the minute i turned 18 i registered as libertarian because i thought i was so right fighter and you know so above you know the political rhetoric and i thought libertarian was the way to go the first presidential election i was old enough to vote in was uh gore v bush and hindsight 2020 if i had known better i i just would have written in every presidential election I would have written in no confidence. And that's, that's, that's my ongoing temptation, knowing what my hindsight is.
that I have no faith in the people that I voted for uh, and nothing changes regardless. Uh, well, no, things do change. I, I don't want to discount that, but, uh, you know, I, I do have no confidence and I should, I feel very strongly that I should have a stronger voice or not a stronger voice, but a stronger presence in expressing that without feeling like I've wasted, wasted my ballot. What do you mean? I think she's had second thoughts as being a libertarian. No, no, no. Actually, about three years ago, I registered, I changed my registration to Democrat because I wanted to be able to vote against Democrats in the primary. I wanted to be able to vote against uh, primary Democrat candidates. You know, I don't trust any of these people. You know, they say whatever, but, and promise whatever under the sun, but they don't change anything. It, it, you know, there's no real progress. In fact, it's mostly in retrograde. Uh, so I, I think I should be more bold, especially in my hindsight thoughts about what I should have done when I was younger, knowing what I know now. Uh, you know, I, I just want to write in, I have no confidence. I'm voting no confidence. No confidence in any of these candidates. How can you have confidence in what is not actually a democracy? Both of them exactly. Is, well, that's that's kind of my point, I guess. You, Sabi, you had um, Maria, just to speak to your point, um, Sabi had a guest on from the Green Party who talked about how, you know, he he was he lived in California and he registered Democrat so that he could vote in the primaries against corporate Democrats, you know, he sort of thought, bought into the whole idea of like making a change through the primaries and all of that stuff. And that's, that led to the Green Party almost being taken off the ballot in California. And whatever you think of the Green Party, like we need less registered Democrats. You know what I mean? Like we need, um, like, like it really hit me that like, Oh my God, like the, 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 the movement Bernie began actually by bringing all of these people into the primaries, like it really put the sheep herding, uh, image in my mind. You know, Sabi? Do you know what I'm talking about? The, that yeah. candidate? Yeah. I mean, like, um, Sean, so that clip will premiere tomorrow. Um, Sean educated me about this because I did not realize this. And, one of the things that Sean said was like, for the people saying they're going to vote for Marianne in the primary, 
and then vote for Cornel West in the green, like in the general, he said, don't do that shit. Because he said, like, in California, he said Bernie Sanders killed the Green Party ballot access in California. Because the thing is, the Green Party needs to remain on the ballot. So when you, what happened was with Bernie, apparently, some of the Green Party people or third party people decided to vote for Bernie in the primary. And then we're like, okay, I'll go back and vote for Jill in the general. But that kills the Green Party's ballot access. That's what Sean was saying. And that's why I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Can you say that again? Because I've heard a lot of people saying that. And I think people need to understand, like, there is no, I'm going to vote Democrat on in the primary. And then I'm going to vote, you know, I'm going to go third party in the general. No, fuck that. Because you, you already know Marianne is not going to be the nominee because the DNC isn't going to allow it. So why even waste the vote and the time on the primary? Why not just focus on the general? And this is something we all got to ask ourselves, right? You know, and I, yes, a hundred percent. And thank you for, yeah, educating us on this. Like, cause I was, I think, I mean, I'm pretty sure that's what happened in my state too, but I mean, that's for another. Um, Brie, like, I was just going to say, Brianna Joy Gray just did an interview with Norm Finkelstein and somewhere in there, he mentioned Marianne Williamson and, you know, Bree's thing is to vote democrat um in the primary so she can vote for marianne williamson as a protest vote against biden in the primary but then flip to cornell west in the um general but when norm finkelstein says something about marianne Bree just almost lost it she's just like oh you know i don't know why people have such an issue with this and this voter strategy and this and that. But I think she, she, you know, because of where she lives, um, she didn't perceive that, you know, registering Democrat for the primary would actually do harm for the Green Party because of wherever. I, I don't see where that entered into her computation in terms of this strategy, but you know, it's all just a hot mess. Uh, you know, I it love it's a hot mess for so many things, but like on Marianne, yeah. I'm sorry, it's not happening. Like no. she's pulling at four percent, four percent, guys, four percent, four percent. And then you at another poll, and it's one percent. So wait, 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 Marianne, wait, wait, neoliberals. She's at four yes. percent now. Yeah, she's like she's polling in the low single digits, like you know, in the the end of poll. And look, it's she's not happening. Like she would have happened by now if she was going to happen. So I just I feel really like like uh, like we're being like forced, Marianne, at this point. If you're on the left, and I don't like it. I I, I mean I don't know. Cornel what West is polling higher. Th- Guys, have you looked at the state yes. polls? Cornell West is polling higher than Marianne in some of the states. It's like oh, when Kakalinki brought that dumb that dumb poll says she's at ten percent, Cornell's at four percent. You're talking about in Democratic primaries, not overall in the country. Yeah, Kalinsky was lying. She wouldn't even endorse Dr. West. 
I mean, come the fuck on. Can we just be done with this? Like, for fuck's sake. Like, like can Kyle Kalinske just please find another hobby? Like, I'm begging. Do we do we redirect him to back to car, car sales? Like, you know, like, he used to sell cars. It's very similar. Like, I'm just so done with this. She refuses to budge on any issue. She refuses to be like, even on the smartest people try to talk to her and it never, never gets through about Palestine, about Ukraine. Forget it. Like, I'm, it I'm gets so through. It gets through neoliberal tears. But like I said, she's playing the safe route. Right. So RFK Jr. is going in the other direction and she's playing the safe route of let me pick the safe position so that I'm not a Zionist, but at the same time, I'm not in favor of BDS. Who are we talking about again? Straddling Marianne. The fence. Marianne straddling the fence. Yeah. I think, um, you know, like, uh, I don't know if you guys remember the last Democratic primary, um, but it, it was so many candidates. It was just like remember, a clown Lucy. parade. Do you guys remember? We we definitely remember. <laughs> and, and I feel like it's just the same thing now, but it's like it's going to be a clown parade, but it's going to be in like a combination of in the Democrats and out outside in the third parties. There's already like three or four libertarians running and some of them suck. And then there's like the Green Party and then there's this like socialist uh, quotation marks pro shutdown um, party. And then, and then there's probably going to be so many more and we're going to have like no idea. It's going to be so confusing. And I feel like that's the point. Like they want us to be extremely confused. Since you brought up the GOP uh, debate, that that's plus was a shit show. Like the only person I cared to listen to was that one Latina <laughs> that was talking. She was the only one giving actual questions and it was just like meat of what, 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 what's Nick likes to call it? Uh, Red, not red brown alliance, more like uh, you know that bullshit that Republicans always they just eat it like uh, you, you know Dwayne, help me out here. It's like that thing they do with when you just want to give meat to Republicans, they just buy into it. They don't care exactly what the what the issue that they should be talking about. Yeah, it's just red meat to the uh, to the uh, to the GOP. Uh, how, do you, how do you guys really quick? How do you guys feel about? Um, because I know we didn't get a chance to talk about it on Tuesday, and people are like, "We well, don't do calling." Um, how do you guys feel about Joe Rogan saying if it's between Biden and Trump, he's going to support Trump? I'm not surprised. Not surprised. I mean, how many people have said that you've had on your show as subs in RBN? They say, no matter what you guys tell them. No matter how many times you educate with them, they'll tell you, I'll vote for Trump. Well, and then, like, the. I mean, I would, I would write in no confidence if those were my choices. But did anybody else get the sense uh, and hear from folks like I have that, you know, they think it really hurts Donald Trump's campaign? that he doesn't show up to these debates because no. I, I think that only helps him. It does help him. He's above the fray. He's, he's yeah. increasing in the polls. By the way, I showed a poll tonight on my show that was like, who do you think won the debate? The, I think majority said, the majority said Donald Trump. 
Yeah, Trump did win by not being there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they're like, well, Trump's whatever simultaneous thing got lower ratings. Well, that was live. After the fact, the ratings only go up and up for Trump and not the not the primary candidates. People and, may have watched the freak show, but they were not <laughs> impressed by anybody there. Exactly. So Trump won by default. Exactly. I, my my opinion of everybody that was on that stage, and I feel the same way about most Democrats, is that they're they're power tripping on an empty tank of gas, pretending like they have a full tank of gas, but they don't. They've got nothing. All they've got is Trump derangement syndrome. Remember that really care about winning. I mean, yeah, I got that clip ready for you, Sabrina. A clip I want to hear you. Okay, go go ahead, play it and share. Play it. Okay. The title is um, "Did Obama Really Benefit Black America?" This is like Judge Joe Brand on the Real Dana. Obama, and I want to ask the question, because I want to play this clip. I want to ask the question, you know, what, I can't even see, what did Obama do for black people? So this clip, I think this was during COVID. Yeah, and I think that's this is when Trump was president. And again, this is the Breakfast Club trying to be political seriously. How do you take it when you hear, especially African-Americans, minorities say that, you know, they feel that President Barack didn't do enough for minorities, didn't do enough for black people? Black people. You know, what are your thoughts on that? You know what? I, I understand it because when I, when I got elected, there was so much excitement and hope. And I also think that we generally view the presidency as almost like a monarchy in the sense of, well, once the president's there, he can just do whatever needs to get done. And if he's not doing it, then it must be because he didn't want to do it. Well, we see with Trump, though, so he does what he wants to do so people listen. Well, right, because he breaks laws. Right. <laughs> and, or, 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 or disregards the Constitution. But, but the, look, I think that anybody who goes into public life, they need to understand that, yeah, you're going to get criticized because that's just the nature of it. If you don't want that, then you shouldn't be in that business. Um, the good news for me was that I was very confident in what I had done for black folks because I had the statistics to prove it, right? So by the time I left office, you had seen... Uh, Three million African Americans have health care that didn't have it before. You had seen uh, the incarceration rate, the number of black folks in prison drop <laughs> for the first time in years. You had seen the juvenile correction system, 30% fewer people in there. You had seen uh, uh, black poverty drop to its lowest level since 19, 
68. You had seen black businesses rise. You had seen black income go up. So, so I could just look at the data and I could say millions of black folks were better off at the time I left office than when I came in. All right. So what are your thoughts on that? Bullshit. Um, And so I wanted to pull that up to see the unemployment under Obama. And it says in 2009, the U.S. entered an economic recession viring the Great Depression of the 1930s. USA Today reported the overall unemployment rate jumped from 5.8% in 2008 to 9.4 in 2009 and reached a record high of 9.6 in 2010. According to the BLS, black unemployment was nearly five to six percentage points higher at 14.8% in 2009 and 16% in 2010. Obama administration passed the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act of 2009, providing $787 billion in education, healthcare, infrastructure, renewable energy investments to help spur the economy. The cost of the stimulus later revised $831 billion. I'm trying to get to the stats when he left. Uh, what it says here. All right. So the congressional budget number of full time, blah, blah, blah. From 2011 to 2020, black unemployment dropped to the lowest rate in recorded history. According to the Wall Street Journal, the BLS recorded records support this fine the rate inched downward in 2011 okay, so and again a rapid decline in 2012 you can um yeah stop it sure i was just gonna say um i think that this just proves again what we've been saying over to rbn which is that barack obama <laughs> Black wealth tanked under his presidency because Amen. he chose to bail out Wall Street instead of the American people. Yeah, they also brought up something that was I, I, that's, oh, that's why I was going to ask you if I let it continue because they brought up the Bushes and they said that he's probably a cousin to the Bushes because Barack Obama's like stepdad. He's they said he was rich, he was an oil tycoon or some shit. That Obama wasn't like poor; he was rich. Oh, I have. I can I can I say something about that? <laughs> so Go ahead. There's this um, article that um, I just I, I posted in the in the chat that I, I've like sent to a million people that have better platforms than me, and like nobody talks about it. But it's the craziest article, and it talks about like all of the details of Obama's background, which a lot of people don't know. Like it's is really crazy, and. He wasn't, I don't know if he was rich or not, but Obama was like full CIA. Like his grandfather was yes. CIA. His mom was like, she was involved in, in nonprofits, so-called nonprofits, which was like basically like the nonprofit arm of USAID or something. And uh, she was in Indonesia. At, like at the time when the U.S. was pushing all of these like imperialist policies in Indonesia, in Indonesia, and kicking out, I don't, like you know, I don't know the the regime change operation they had going there, and then allegedly, like um, she also, um, she was like she went through a phase where she was rebelling against her family, and she 
slept with uh, an African-American man. Um, I don't remember what his name was, but that was like Obama's real father, which that's even crazier because most people think Obama's real father was from Africa. And then what the what her father did was in order to kind of like explain away the pregnancy is that he set her up with this like other African puppet um, from Kenya that um, like was part of some kind of exchange program. They had a, the East West center in Hawaii, which, which is like a whole other uh, kind of (laughs) regime change operation center. What they call it, like the East West center in Hawaii is like the kinder, gentler version of school of the Americas school of the Americas is where they trained all of these like torturers in Latin America to like, you know, screw people over. And, um, I don't know what what it means to be a kind like a kinder, gentler school of the Americas, but that's basically like what the Obama's fake father, this African guy, Obama Senior, who apparently is not even related to Obama. Um, and so like it's crazy because he's African American, but has no relationship to to that, you know. And, oh, and then not, you know, not, they, like the whole article talks not, about it. He's not African American. Um, Barack Obama's brother is on Twitter. You should follow him. His name is Malik Obama. Follow him on Twitter, Malik Obama. Follow him on Twitter. Well, you should you should read the article. Just yeah, but I'm but I'm saying he he always calls out Barack Obama's lies and bullshit. Like, he's not pro-Obama. You guys follow Malik Obama on Twitter. That is his African African brother. And he always calls out the bullshit. So I think his dad is really from Kenya. They have the same father. What Malik is saying is they do have the same dad. They don't have the same mom. Well, apparently, <clears throat> apparently Obama, like, wrote this article, like, this poem when he was, like, 18 years old like eulogizing his real father who was somebody else like because her, his mother Anne was kind of like this basic like she was like an agent that um was a honeypot like she she had she was like a honeypot she had like a honeypot marriage with this Indonesian guy it, it was not a normal family is what I'm saying like it, there's like nothing normal about the whole thing I don't know if everything in this like um uh covert uh like uh, the CIA article is true, but it sounds like pretty accurate because it, it comes with all of these facts and, you know, figures. It kind of coincides the timeline and the family history and how weird it is. And, and also the fact that his mom, Ann Dunham, was married to this random Indonesian general. They like pretended that his rank was lower than it actually was and that she was just like part of some nonprofit when in reality she was um kind of involved with these nonprofit networks that were there basically to like figure out the political activity activities of the Indonesian villagers and make sure that they weren't related to the communist party there um and then they had apparently this fake marriage set up between Ann Dunham and this African puppet family um 
And uh, the African puppet was like Obama senior was like very opposed to Pan-Africanism allegedly and um, was kind of like a exchange program they had at this East West center of Hawaii. So it it rings true to me. You know, I don't, I don't know, but like, I really feel like people should read it because it's for me, it was like, Whoa, I I don't know. (laughs) Um, Uh, one thing I'll say about the Malik guy, but I think Malik was a. I think Malik is pro-Trump. He is. He is. I think you have to be careful because some of that stuff about Obama's mom does come from right-wing like outlets. So just you just got to be careful. Like we can't believe everything coming from like the Democratic Party outlets, but we can't believe everything coming from those right-wing outlets either. Like, some of those things are fabricated on both sides. Um, But I I will say, like, friends of mine who are African will look at Obama and say, like, yes, there there is African descent there. Like, Barack Obama, like, for example, there are certain things about him that you can tell. Like the features, I think, are very important. Like Barack Obama does not look like any biracial person who was born to, you know, American descendants of slavery and a white person. He does not look that way. He does look like there was someone in the the parent space that was African. So I think that's that's something to to point out now. That being said, there's been um, questions about, like, their kids. There's been questions about, like, Barack and Michelle's kids. And my thing is, is I'm like, when people come to me with that, I'm just like, look, I don't go after people's kids. Like, I don't, I don't do that shit. And, and second of all, however people conceived, that's really none of my fucking business. Because I know people have gone through... I know personal, like, friends in my personal space that have gone through a lot to to try to conceive, and they've had to go outside of that. And it is what it is, but they're still their kids. So I think that that's something, like, to think about. But just be careful, because some of the things that you just said, like, I've heard those things before, but they came from right-wing outlets. So just we just have to be careful. Well, I, I don't think all of it is just right wing. Like, like it coincides the years that Anne Dunham was in Indonesia with the time that there was a coup, that, a coup there. It coincides with the fact that that he's from Hawaii and there's this huge like military training center in Hawaii. Um, but I know, you but know, I know, but I know, I had black friends who were from Hawaii. You know, I mean, like that. That you know. They, I have black. I mean, you, you don't have to decide on it. Just read it, like please. No, I'm please just read. saying. I have. Black, <laughs> I was. I was from a military family, so I have black friends who were from Hawaii because their parents were stationed there. Yeah, I, I'm just saying. Like, he's not just any person that just rose quickly so magically. Like a lot of these people have really, like ties to intelligence and stuff. They're not just like any random person that just makes it. That you know. Yeah. The way so Obama I've, did. I've never said that. I've never said that. In fact, in every story that I've covered about Barack Obama, I've pointed that out, that he was selected. 
I've been very clear about that actually. <clears throat> so yeah. it hasn't just been like a, I don't know. I think you're you're speaking to the choir here. I've never said that Barack Obama was just some guy who did really well and and he was elected president. I've always said that he was selected and he was chosen and he was chosen by a certain group of people. You also think that the part about where, well, since we didn't get to the clip, where the judge said he might be related to the Bushes and the the Cheneys, but not but not physically related, but by the guy who basically married his mom. He was related to them, therefore, technically, Obama's like a cousin. Yeah, I mean, all these people connect, like... This is not a surprise to me. Like all these people, a lot of these people are connected. You know, like what have I told you guys recently about even like with JFK? I I told you guys, like, how do you think the Kennedys got their wealth? From the bootlegging business, bootlegging, illegal shit. The Kennedys got their wealth from illegal activity. (laughs) so rfk jr won't talk about that rfk jr won't tell you that as much as he likes to say well rfk you know senior was pro mlk he won't tell you that rfk senior actually was the one who bugged mlk's phone they bugged his fucking phone in his conversations so So, like these are the kind of things like we've talked about this before go ahead neoliberal just sorry i was like i was like inspired to like yes you um yeah like rf like he was the one that wiretapped as attorney general um martin luther king he signed off on it um and you know i i just to speak to what lucy was saying a lot of these people who get into politics have ties to intelligence we don't know where it's coming from um but you know a lot of times like you know maybe their parents were in it or they learned that politics was an avenue to influence uh you know policy goals so they get into it that way so i was actually going to ask lucy if she if we ha- or the, or the crowd obviously um if we have any intel on Buttigieg, because there's oh, something yes. him well there's something about him that just screams it at me, but like, um, you know, yeah. as a, as a, you Sorry, know, didn't see, you cover do that? Do we have that. any, like, concrete, yeah. uh, do we have any concrete, like, uh, links? I know that he served, um, in some intelligence unit in Afghanistan, not combat, obviously, but like, you know, so covered, specifically, I, I totally, uh, yeah, I totally covered this. I covered it where it was the clip where I said, it was Vivek and people judge in one thumbnail. And I said, it's the same dude. They were selected. Yeah, they were both selected. They were Invented. both selected. They were both at the same freaking Harvard University candidate event where um, Al Sharpton was running for president at that point in time. And they were both there and they were both selected to come up to the mic and ask a question. These people were chosen early on. Buttigieg was chosen early on, and so was Vivek. And by the way, they were fucking dressed alike. 
So was Obama. I remember in 2004 at the Democratic National Convention when they first trotted him out. And he was the anointed guy. And I looked into him and I knew he was Wall Street's guy. And that was back in 2004. Mr. Wayne, but like, do we have any... I'm looking for concrete shit about Buttigieg that I can link to and say... Oh, yeah, there's some ties to intelligence here, like CIA specifically. I mean, he was in the military. Um, he he was in the military. He never denied that. He was in the military. So you have to remember not just, that. Not just any military, but like, yeah, like information, like, you know, Afghanistan, like, and also it was the kind of position that like, you're inside a lot. Like, you're not, he wasn't out there. You know what I mean? Like, he was well protected, but like. I'm. I guess I'm looking to see to to source if anybody knows anything more well, because I would do a I great show on that. The connections. I think the connections are deeper than just like um, you know. I've, I you know he went to the military. Like I think there's something intelligency. I think, but but you know I'm I could be just right. They can't pick these people when they're in college. That's what I'm trying to tell people. So like for example, even with Pete Buttigieg. What people have to remember is that <laughs> Pete, like, he entered the military. This was after Don't Ask, Don't Tell. So, Brina, are you good with, uh, like, do you know how to match colors? Basically, properly match colors. Did their parents ever taught you that? What do you mean? Well, there was something that bugged me when Nina Turner was running for office. And when she was running for that race against Chantal Brown. And um, I remember when I was a kid, my mom used to basically, she would dress me and my sister when we were going out. She would do matching colors. And she was dressed in blue and yellow. And blue, blue and yellows are two colors that go together when you match it. And when Nina was doing that shit, that was before... I think people started, I started seeing people put the Ukraine flag in their bio. And I'm like, why is she dressed in blue and yellow? Like, is she dressed like the Ukraine flag or some shit? I'm like, I didn't want to buy into it. that That's what she was doing to say, I stand with Ukraine or to get the votes to basically beat Chantel Brown. But now do I see it fast forward now today with all I stand with Ukraine bullshit that was she was she not basically doing that from the get go, basically supporting Nazis in Ukraine? I'm not sure. When did you see that? Well, it was basically it was it was it was on it was a uh, it was on Twitter. Like she had a picture of herself basically in blue and yellow. She was wearing a blue and yellow outfit. I forget which. Woodstock was blue, Woodstock was yellow, but that but she was dressed like a, like the Ukraine flag. Oh, I think at that point she was in support of Ukraine. Yeah, so I'm like, people were saying, "Oh, that's not true." She just she just wore that dress. She wasn't dressed like the Ukraine flag. And I'm like, no, she looks like she's dressed like the Ukraine flag. I know blue and yellow is probably a color you could wear to basically match to go out, but. That was kind of weird. There's a war going on, and everybody's saying, I stand with Ukraine. But she, she had that flag. She basically dressed like the flag. I'm like, you're selling yourself out.
I will say for for black people, like we're always aware of what we're gonna put on, okay? (laughs) Whether it's new, old, or whatever, we are aware of what we are going to put on. And I'll just just keep it like that. Yeah, I, I was like, yo, that that's. <laughs> I tried to give her the benefit of that that she was not dressing as Ukraine, but as you got uh, when she got the show from TYT, and she was saying that Slava Ukraine shit, and then they kicked her out, and I'm like, well, since she's not at TYT, how much dirt does she know that she can't say? She must be under under uh, NDA. I don't know, but remember she said like during the when she lost the second time, remember she said that like some of the squad members were threatened and they said they couldn't vote for her. And Jordan asked like why and she was just like she couldn't really say. So I I, I don't know. I don't know, man. I feel like that was bullshit. Like <laughs> I don't know these people. I don't know any of these people and I met these these motherfuckers. Like I'm just keeping it real. I've never met these people. I've never even interviewed Nina Turner. Never. Yeah, because I'm like, that's kind of bullshit. Sorry, like, we know that squad are a bunch of fucking cocks. They, they're not going to fight back whatsoever. So I guess that was her making an excuse for them. Savi, is this true about Nina? I'm sorry for interrupting, but like, I, I, can't, I couldn't believe this. Is it true that like she was going to interview Kshama for Workers Strike Back for uh, her show on Boss? And then, I like, I don't know if it was her China? show in particular. I do Whoa, know that. I don't know if it was her show in particular. I do know that Shama said that they were set to go on to TYT. It may not have been her show, just FYI. But when they realized who it was, it was canceled. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And Jenk is out here thinking he's gonna run a Because he's a fucking Democrat, neoliberal. He's a fucking (laughs) Democrat. If if he'll fucking say, I'm willing to settle for Gavin Newsom, these people are fucking Democrats. (laughs) Gene Huger, Crystal Ball, Kyle Kalinske, these people are just fucking Democrats. They're not radicals. They tried to trick us and tell us that they were because it was profitable at that point in time. It is not profitable at this point in time. So they're trying to just go along with, let's go along with the Biden thing because that's more profitable. These people are fucking millionaires. Jink, Crystal, and Kyle are all fucking millionaires, you guys. How much more money do they need? Like you know, like like you're all rich. We like for fuck's sake, and they're not just their vote blue, no matter who. And just like Sabi said, every time the season changes, they're like, oh, fall is coming up. You know, we need to switch up. You know, from primary mode to general mode. You know, exactly. time to time to time to bring up the NLRB again. You know, like the talking point. What do we have? You know, can somebody? Can somebody fake some numbers somewhere? I mean, it's so pathetic. It's hard to sound I'm just going to say this. I'm just going to say this. And it's, you know, here's the thing. Like, there are people who are real and there are people who are trying to get paid. And the thing is, is like, 
once you start making that kind of money, which I have never made in my life. Okay, so I have a master's degree. I worked in higher ed with a master's degree. I never even made $60,000 a year in Boston, Massachusetts. Okay, so just take that and, 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 and take it and hold on to it. Sabrina, because you people, gotta give us people your... are really quick to say Sabby has a house. Sabby is a da 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 da. Sabby da da da. Bro, dude, I'm I'm not making much. And by the way, sixty thousand dollars a year in Massachusetts is nothing. Okay, so just keep that in mind. That's actually nothing. Like if I was making be. like. $100,000 a year in Massachusetts, then I could feel like, okay, that's but I'm But I'm not. So people have to understand, yeah. I'm not anywhere near that. So the thing is, is this, is that people who have been millionaires, Kyle Kalinske is a millionaire, Crystal Ball is a millionaire, GQ is a millionaire, Anna Kasparian is a millionaire, these people are fucking millionaires. Do you know what that means? Nobody that I know personally is a fucking millionaire. Yeah, so they act like you have thinking, to walk around in a burlap sack or else you're not real. And then they endorse a person like Jenk Uber. It's ridiculous. But just, think about that, but just think about that for a second. What that means is that they are going to do whatever they can to maintain that lifestyle. Yep. Yeah. You know what? I, I don't understand. Sabrina, you gotta give us... like... Okay, so if you're already a, a billionaire... Wait, a millionaire, right? They're not billionaires. They're, They're millionaires. millionaires. Right? Why don't they just invest in stocks and stop embarrassing themselves in public? Like, I don't understand why they want to They continue. want power, Lucy. They want power. That's like you could, you could just like at that point you could just sit pretty and like go take a painting class or something. I don't <laughs> understand. You have forty acres. Yeah, like, Crystal has forty acres in rural Virginia, but she, but these people want to be political players. They want yeah. to have. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me let want, me say something they, about Virginia. They want. She's not in rural Virginia. She's still in the D.C. vicinity. Which means, and I know this, as someone who comes from a family of military. Roger, is that you? Do you mute? And I, I know this as someone who comes from a family that is military deep. And I'm going to tell you this. If she's in Virginia rural or rural Keep in mind, that's coming from Kyle. Kyle's coming from New York. Motherfucker, you got to be at least two hours away from D.C. I don't think she's that far away from D.C. I think the rural that Kyle is referring to is what he's just not used to. Coming from Westchester County in New York. So... Again, I have friends that live in Northern Virginia, Southern Virginia. I have family in Southern Virginia. I have family in Baltimore, D.C. 
I have family all over in that area because that's where, like, I was born in Baltimore, Maryland. So that's where my family is from. So the thing is, is this, I know what those areas are like. And so the rural parts, if you're rural, but you're still in close proximity to DC, you got some motherfucking money, okay, boo? The closer you get to DC, the more expensive it gets. Facts. I mean, I, I think one thing is there, there, there are these kind of class and income gradations that, I mean, you have the regular people who, you know, work for a living who, who maybe top out at, you know, a hundred and something. And then you've got the, the class of like millionaires, but I mean, even a million bucks, it isn't, you know, it ain't what it used to be. It's like you, you still, you know, even if these people are bringing in a few million, like that, that's not enough to like invest in and live on. I mean, so, so they have to keep hustling. They have to keep the game going to, to keep that lifestyle up. They can't just, they can't just stop and, and live off it. Now, I mean, Lucy, Lucy brought up the idea of stocks. I think the reason why Kalkolinsky and Crystal, well, Kyle doesn't do it because it might be public for him. Crystal, however, she's invested in other shit. Like she did like distant learning. She got all that stuff on the hubby too, right? The ex-husband. The point is that they don't need to do this YouTube show. Like they, like they want power. They want to be like putting takes out there and have politicians like listen to them and like all of that shit. Like they, yeah, they it's, certainly beyond, it's money and it's, it's, it's more than that. It's, it's, it's like an illness is what that. it is. Cause they always want more. They always want more power and more money. I was just going to say, I, I was just going to say this really quick and I'm going to go to um, Jacoby. I was just going to say that remember be when crystal was married, she was worth like $45 million. So just keep that in mind, because what you guys got to understand is like during the pandemic, we talked about the CEOs whose wealth doubled. That included Crystal and her family. Their wealth doubled. That was before she got divorced. Go ahead. Jacoby? Uh, uh Uh-oh. Well, we'll see if Jacoby can make it in. I just wanted to finish it's, the hello? point about, about okay, the hello? incomes and the classes. Is okay. that when you get up to like a hundred mil and up into the billionaires, like like those are the real power. That's those are the people they really focus on. And I think if if we're when we're spending time talking about millionaires and commentators and whatnot, those are just the servants. Eric, I, I so, mean, but people like come back. For example, like he endorsed Rick Caruso, like for I think L.A. Mayor. Well, we should probably go to Jacoby now. Um, oh. So millionaires and billionaires uh, sometimes. Good point. Go ahead, Kobe. Oh. Yes, Mr. Brina. So, like right now, when I go to TYT's YouTube channel, yeah, they got five point five seven million views, but they're they're Horatioed so bad, six point eight viewers. So they don't have the grassroots ear anymore. See, what a lot of times they do, they do the bidding of the Democrat Party. They're given talking points to say this and say that. And what they do is they fool us into a false sense of reality, believing that they are doing something until it's too late. 
Um, and so that's what's going on. It's, it is about power. It is about a false sense of reality. And, you know, we like to, we like people who talk good, but don't do anything. And that's really the name of the game. It's called benign neglect. Uh, I won't, I won't do anything, but I won't say I won't do anything. And that's how they keep the, the status quo going. And, uh, and so if you go to, you know, Stabby's YouTube channel, she has more views than TYT. So it, it tells you what, what, what pulse that the people that we have, we're not rocking with TYT. I can really care less about TYT and Jank Uger and all the, those guys are a joke. And Crystal Ball, she fooled us all. She was on the rising and she got the views and then, once the views that they got, that was it. So, and, uh, you know, the, you have to just kind of be careful. You have to keep grassroots, grassroots movies are never, are never popular. They take time to grow. Savvy, Miss Savvy, uh, Sabrina, she has real grassroots movement here on this YouTube channel. Even though she only has 57,000 subscribers, her view count is higher. Um, I don't have 57. I'm not there yet. Um, well, no, I saw it says 57 <laughs> on subscriber, but I'm talking about the view count is higher than the, than the, than the subscriber account. If you go to TYT, they got almost 6 million views, but their view count is so, <laughs> her ratio is so bad. But I don't have, but I don't, I don't have, I just want to correct here. I don't have 50, 57,000 subscribers. You don't? No. Oh, no a few days or something. <laughs> yeah, hold on. Sabrina, fifty-four thousand six, fifty-four thousand six thousand subscribers. Oh, you will if YouTube lets you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, so, she gets. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sabrina, you got to give us your famous crystal ball impression. I like progressive. Okay. Oh. That was, no, that was no Miki Cunts. What happened to no Miki? Anybody? She's good yeah. She actually did the trip um to, to actually she was in Puerto Rico for a while. Um but it's a mystery to, to what no Miki is going to be up to next. I mean, ever since they banished her from the majority report, um what, she's what, lost. What, what, she doesn't what, have a what? brand. What what her? They banished Roger, her? I mean, Nomiki Konst ran for New York Senate. Uh, she lost the race oh, very yeah. famously. Oh, she she was, because she went against the DSA candidate, she has since been banished from the Sam Cedar and Vigilant crowds. And now we don't know what she's up to. She's probably thinking of running with Nina. Who knows? Uh, I'm just, is is her channel still active? But... Um, yeah, no, that's, you know, I was just thinking, guys, do you remember that candidate summit that Marianne Williamson had with Crystal and all of these like Democrats? It was obviously a Democrat well, uh, I candidate re- I summit, but they didn't because, it away. Um, I did a stream about it and I was like, I think the stream <laughs> was titled What Happened Here? Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do, do you, you know, now I, Savvy, I'm looking at it back now. And I'm like, oh my God, like they're, this is like, 
this was the game plan for people like Crystal and Kyle and all these people. They're like, let's get our people in there. Let's like, you know, our team players, like, you know, let's get in the game. Let's run a bunch of people. And none of them got in, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, None you, make of a, the you, you make a good point, neoliberal tears. I remember that thing. They brought a bunch of these other leftists in there, Democrats, and Marianne was the one that got chosen at, at the end None of the of day. Them were green. None of them were green or alternative parties or even libertarian. They were all Democrats, and none yeah. of them got in. So that game plan just doesn't work. I wish, like, I don't know how many more times they need to see. Well, I mean, that was then. This is now. Um, it is what it is. That was a weird but I think they ran out of a game plan, really. They have no game plan. They're, they don't know what else to do. They well, can't no longer control well, the people Crystal and Kyle's Crystal and Kyle's game plan has been to, let's follow Joe Biden. Let's follow. Oh, by the way, all of a sudden, corporate money is not an issue. You guys notice that? Yes. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. anymore, yeah. Not a problem anymore. No, no problem. <laughs> oh, by the way, Medicare for all doesn't mean shit anymore. By the way, I remember, and I posted about this, when Kyle said that he couldn't vote for Joe Biden because of the Iraq war, because of the, the, cata- the catastrophe, <laughs> catastrophe, catastrophe, catastrophes, sorry, during the Iraq, the Iraq war. And he said he also couldn't vote for Joe Biden because of he wouldn't support Medicare for all because of personal reasons with him and his family. But at the same time, now all of a sudden that shit don't matter. Now all of a sudden, changed, now yeah. all of a sudden the Iraqis don't matter who died. Now all of a sudden the Medicare for all issue doesn't fucking matter anymore. So that's why I'm trying to tell you guys this shit is all about money. And if you pay attention to the way people move and how they move, you'll see it. Those of us at RBN, we started after after the Bernie campaigns. We started after Joe Biden won. So for us, we were not a part of the YouTube algorithm pump up during the Bernie campaigns. Like we experienced none of that, none of that. We really had to struggle that it's been very difficult and very hard and I think you're being sabotaged. For whatever reason, like, even at RBN, like, RBN as a network, we're still struggling to get to 40,000 subscribers. I've made it over 50K, and I think the only reason I've made it over 50K is because I've been promoted a lot. And I, I really do think that's the only reason. Because a lot of people have said, come on to my show, come on to my show, that kind of thing. I've been promoted a lot. I think that's the only reason. Um, but oh, you go ahead. You can sell out more. I, I think I think you, you should have like by now over a hundred thousand subscribers. But I think YouTube just deliberately sabotages certain YouTubers and unsubscribes them. I've noticed that like when I subscribe to TD Hip Hop, he mm-hmm. should he should have over just over a hundred, but he, it took him like three years to get 70,000 subscribers. Yeah. And, I'm subscribed and, to him too. Yeah. And it's just, it's just, and that's, and that's TYT's doing because they were on board with censorship. If everybody remembers the, the mainstream media was tripping that they were losing revenue 
and um, and a lot of people say, oh, we're we were they're promoting um, false information on YouTube, so they were just going after um, people's YouTube channel because of QDPI. So, and that kind of led to you know everything the way it is now, and so they do a lot of shisty stuff unsubscribe people they don't put your notifications you, you have to find the, the your youtube channel and and you really they really should be sued for that and and so and also i want to mention too that you know i know get a little, i wanted to bring back the topic about politicians these people are picked years before um anything happens they they have like timetables and stuff where how they're going to do policies and stuff. They, they plan this stuff out. It's nothing random about it. It's only random to us because we don't see it, but they plan certain politicians out. They plan who's going to be the next president. They plan who's going to be the next vice president. And they plan certain policies out how they want to deal with population, all types of stuff. So I just, that's what I wanted to say there too. Yeah, as well. I was just going to say, I've, I've, I've mentioned that before, with Vivek and Pete Buttigieg that like they pick these people early on, early, early on. Go ahead and share yeah. and then I'm going to close out. Okay. I was going to bring up Vivek. I was going to bring up uh, what Jacoby said about the YouTube uh, censoring people. Cause Nick did a, not Nick, Kid did an interview with Jimmy about his uh, recent UN uh, address and he put the video out like 15 minutes, so I click on the video, and it keeps loading for some reason. The video never showed, but it did it, it did put out some ads, so I had to contact Kit, and basically the video was either taken down or made private. And he, then he had to reload the video again. That's because, that's because Kit um, made the live streams, I remember this. When they switched to the morning, he made the live streams um, unlisted, which mm -hmm. means you can only view it if you have the link. But then I think with certain ones, he made it not that way. But then at the same time, like I think, see with YouTube, I don't even do that. I don't do any live streams as unlisted or private or none of that shit. Like I just let it play as it, as it is. No, the, the video was put there like that, but afterwards, when when it was just loading over and over and over again, and then it went to private, and then when I asked him in the comment section, he said, I don't know what happened. Like, I said, maybe YouTube tried to get to you because Jimmy Dore was talking, because Jimmy Dore was on the, talking about the Ukraine war. And, no, uh... It's not just the Ukraine war. A lot of us have talked about the Ukraine war. It's not that. Something must have been said in that interview. Did Jimmy say anything? For example... Did Jimmy like say COVID? anything? Did yeah. Jimmy say? Did Jimmy say anything about COVID? Because yeah. I told I told you guys before, YouTube updates their policies every now and then. I get a notification every time they update their policies, and I actually read it and I watch the videos. And so, chances are, if he said anything about COVID or the jab or the pandemic that's probably why that video is now removed well he had to upload a second one but uh jimmy didn't go too deep on COVID. all he said that basically they tried to force uh 
you know, uh, experimentation drug on you. That's what he said, and that he didn't. That's make- that's all it takes, though, Ashura. That's, that's deep enough. You can't say anything against what the World Health Organization has said. And I I put this on Twitter. I notified everyone and said, FYI. And and so, by the way, like when YouTube changes things, we all get these notifications and I I look at them all the time. It's not often, but when they change things, they do let you know. And I look at it and I read it and I'm like, okay, for example, I just posted on um, Twitter recently that YouTube decided to change their ad revenue policies about um, people who talked about uh, sexual abuse, domestic abuse, bulimia, or excuse me, eating disorders, and abortion. And I shared the video where they talked about why they changed their idea with that. And so now those, those topics can be monetized. But the thing is, is that COVID, stay the fuck away from it on YouTube. And I've I've always done this. Stay away from it. Oh, well, the if video you put a disclaimer on it. No, the video, the video is still up. If there's going to be any mention about it, talk about it on Rumble and Rockfin only. You cannot do it on, if it does not go along with what the WHO has said. YouTube will kill the fucking video. And, and you know, I didn't know that happened to Kit, but I do know that Harlan's Media has dealt with multiple, like, strikes, etc. But I will tell you that, like, that is a big one. That's one that I stayed the fuck away from. Is there any legal repercussions for YouTube? People could do a class action lawsuit if they're talking about um, not... Uh, like some conspiracy, but just, you know, doing journalism. No, because they already told you. Right. Like, that's the thing. Like, they send out the guidelines update. Every time they update their guidelines, they send it out. It's up to you to read it. If you don't read it, then it's kind of on you. Like, that's, that's the thing. Like, I do read it, and I, I've been very careful, I think, for the most part. I'm pretty and sure you They even have a thing now where if you have a warning on your channel, you can watch this video to get the warning removed. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure you also mentioned it's because you're also a small channel, because if you have a million subs like Jimmy, they're not going to be going to touch you that much with it, the 10-foot pole. Because don't leave him, don't leave him alone. But uh, the, my second part is about the debate. No, because they touch Russell. They touch Russell Brand. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that was because they want to get him on some sexual uh, accusation. Right, but, but I'm I'm just saying, like he has more subscribers than Jimmy does, so they'll they'll come after anybody. It just depends. Like yeah, they they just gotta find something on thumb, Rule of thumb: you want to follow their guidelines. Yeah. Anyways, uh, when it comes to uh, the debate, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, he doesn't seem like he's doing so well anymore. That 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 thing in the debate, they kind of owned his ass. Like they all pounced on him. 
they they even cornered him on that uh, that weird shit he talked about. Um, the whole immigration for uh, you talked about it. So you know what I'm talking about, Sabrina. The one when he wants to get rid of uh, citizenship for basically people who are born of immigrant parents. He he wants yeah. to get rid of that shit, as if like that doesn't apply to him. Yeah, but I told you guys, like, and even some people now, they're like, Sappy, why are you so mean to Vivek? Sappy, don't be so mean to Vivek. Please, why? And I'm just like, he's a fucking fraud. This guy is not who you think he is. He's not a fucking Republican. He's never voted a Republican. He never voted for Donald Trump. This guy's a fucking fraud. Wake up. Stop falling in love with fucking candidates and see this motherfucker for what he actually is. He's a fraud. I try to tell people Ooh. about this. This motherfucker is backed by George Soros. Do you he think he might be winning. a? Do you think he might be a plant to somehow be Trump's running mate, and that secures that secures yes. him? He can't be Trump's running mate because his ego is just as big as Trump. I mean, he, he seems so like a big. Trump would no, that wouldn't work. Trump would not select him as his running mate. Just like what Trump would not select Ron DeSantis as his running mate. Trump would probably select someone like a Nikki Haley or a Chris Christie as their running mate. Actually, no, Chris Christie is... Mm-hmm. No, 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 not Christie. He would probably select someone as a... He would probably select a Nikki Haley as his running mate. But Vivek, no. Also, you have to understand, Vivek is running as a Republican. He is not a Christian. And this is an area where Vivek is kind of wavered on. He's not Christian. He's religious. He keeps saying about God and country, but he's not telling them what God. He's he's religious, but he's Hindu. And for a lot of people who are Republican... They are Christian, and he's not Christian. So that piece is very important. Yeah, they always want to cater to the even. They always want to create cater to the evangelicals. Always. Well, Trump's not Trump's not Christian himself, but then again, you could probably say it's because of Trump's skin color that they they let him off. Orange. No, no. There's a difference between being not Christian and being Hindu. Right. Mm-hmm. It's important. Yeah, and, uh, well, well, since he's a suck up yeah. to Trump, that, that to me, that's where I thought he was. it was going to be him. DeSantis is going after Trump. They're all going after him. Mike Pence is not coming back. He's, he's fucking done. Um, Too unpopular. Yeah, the, the one guy I, I, don't, I don't see you. You didn't mention him, Sabrina. He's that one guy you said, well, if Roger Roger was here, Roger would have basically called this dude out because he didn't mention public, public not public, wait, public banks or some shit. That guy, do you think that guy might be a VP? No. The no. guy that basically Nick no. like this Who the fuck is this guy? No, that guy's going right back to North Dakota. Yeah, Doug yeah. Burgum. <laughs> right but back. Then, but then also the people, a lot of people gravitate towards Trump because he has he just. He doesn't fake it. He he is who he is, and and so uh, you know yeah he is he is charismatic, but he says what he's going to do, and that's where a lot of people kind of gravitate towards him, whether you like it or not. He doesn't 
he doesn't wish wash a lot of things. And also for, you know, Vedic, yeah, it's, he's trying to, he's trying to not go over this line, go over that line and use his charismatic to, um, hide those things, but people can see through that. And, and so, and so, and then also too, Trump was never chosen to be president. He wasn't supposed to be president. Hillary is supposed to be president. So that's why they went on the attack the way they did for the last four years on him. And they don't want him to become president again because they have things planned out for the next four years. And if he starts yanking stuff around, it's going to be another, you know, thing. So this is going to be very interesting how, how the, how's going to, what's going to happen. Um, so that's, that's what I look at really. So. All right. I do have to head out. I have to do rising this morning, but I do want to say, I'm going to head out with this song because, um, you know, it's not urgent, but I was taught a long time ago, never trust a woman with a big butt and a smile. <laughs> Good night, much love. Good night, Miss Sabrina. Thanks, Abby. Good night, Roger. Good night. Good night, Dwayne. Good night, Good night. Good night. Good night, Edu. Good night, Eric T. Sabrina, that was a weak uh, impression, by the way, of Crystal Ball. You did better last time. Poison. Belvig DeVoe? Yesterday. I was a kid when this song came out. Poison. Love the song. Run. Everybody remember the Running Man? You can hear the original by Cool G Rap. Oh, okay. That's the person that's saying poison, by the way. Okay, guys. Yeah. This is poison, so be alerted, cautious. Those who are courageous who will get nauseous, infected, or contaminated. <laughs> Turn off the stereo and become I'm doing the running man in my mind. Poison is the time of my recital. Hits the parts that are vinyl. Roger spitting lyrics. We're not, we're not tick off Roger. He'll hit you with them bars. <laughs> Those are not my cars. <laughs> <laughs> Kid and play is going through my mind. <laughs> Yo, slick blow. <laughs> you remember the box hair hairline? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Whatever happened to the high top fade? Yes. What the? Yeah. <laughs> my brain is like a factory. My brain is like a factory, constantly creating material stitch by stitch for decoration. Mimics are fabric, beat is the lining. My passion for rhyming is fashion designing. Now it gets ordered. If you can move forward, reported. If you didn't, then you couldn't afford poetry. <laughs>
Thank you for tuning in to Case Study QB Radio, courtesy of Savvy Sav. <laughs> Yo, son. <laughs> I'm out, guys. Never trust a big button to smile. Adios, uh, Miss Savvy. Peace. Peace. Later, folks. Look up Poison by Coogee Rap.